coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzz on Movies. I'm Teddy. And I'm your ghost host, Matt. Oh no, not the ghost <laughs> host! It's welcoming, welcoming us to the haunted manor <laughs> mansion. I should know that. Um, yes, we're show. here. We're here. It is Halloween week. We're here recording just a few days before Halloween. We are fully, I mean, if we weren't in Halloween mode before, we definitely are now. Um, do, 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 do. This yeah. is probably going to release after Halloween, but hopefully week of, so we'll still be in the Halloween spirit. But we're here tonight to talk about Halloween ends and <laughs> a slightly less anticipated Halloween-themed movie that just came out, The Curse of Bridge Hollow, directed by pod favorite Jeff Wadlow. Jeff Wadlow. Yes, yeah, we have to cover this. Jeff Wadlow is a, a friend of the pod. As the number one Jeff Wadlow fan film podcast, we take it upon ourselves to review all of his work. And as when we saw that there was a Halloween Jeff Wadlow movie coming out, I'm like, well, we there's no way we can't make this the Halloween episode. So you're welcome, everyone. You're right. This had to be it. This had to be it. We're here to bring you the Wadlow coverage that you desire. It had to be you. All right, getting off to a good start here. So, um, but before we get into either of those, there's one more movie that I think we should touch on briefly. Sounds like a plan. It's yet another thing that we always have to talk about. There's a new VHS movie out. Yeah. VHS-99. Is that the VHS sound? That In my mind, that's the VHS tune. That's the jingle. <laughs> do, 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 do. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. It's but like in my how, head. It's like how you decided that the the Twilight Zone theme was uh, the Art the Clowns. Oh yeah, music. yes, yes. <laughs> or um, what was it that I decided was the the song during um the Saw Marathon? Um, was that what I, I was singing? Blue Skadoo. Oh, Blue Skadoo. I did do that too. Blue Skadoo. We can too. Um, look, we're hunting for clues. Um, we are. We are. During Saw, that's what you do. But yeah, so that's I guess that's the VHS sound. Um, VHS ninety nine, it's out just just released last weekend. Yeah. Um, so this is continuing the the trend so far of making year based VHS say, uh, installments, which is an interesting trend that they're going with. But uh, yes, it it it's been setting up for some interesting stuff. I think they're making an eighties one next, right? Yeah, so, that's the next one. I think that one sounds fun to me. That should be kind of cool. It it kind of gives me the same vibe of the Paranormal Activity movies where they kind of jumped around in the timeline to give you like different eras of home video. So Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're kind of doing that maybe a little. Um so this one um also interesting as a VHS installment, no real frame narrative to speak of like there's a yeah. there's a vague bit of one but the, it's not really a, a full-on story we just kind of get some clips that are filmed from by one of the characters in one of the shorts 
Yeah, but uh, at first you don't really know that that's what, like, I, it was very confusing. Like, I was like, are we watching, like, an actual, like, thing where, like, there are G.I. Joes talking? Like, I don't really know what we're doing here. Yeah. And I know they weren't G.I. Joes. They're the, the plastic green soldiers. The green yeah. Soldiers. It was, like, the kind of thing that, you know, you make at your home as a kid when you get a camcorder for Christmas or whatever. You're making the army guys talk and doing, like, little stop motion things. Right. Um, But, yeah, it was unclear what that was about until we got to the third short. But yeah, um, I don't know. I I thought this was this was all right, but not definitely a middling installment in the uh, the VHS franchise. Yeah, it's there, there wasn't really anything that I was like super into, and it was well, just they were like, missing like the big like like there was no like Rotma set piece. You know what I mean? Like that like there was no I don't know. There was nothing that like was like so memorable that I'm like gonna be thinking about it for days afterwards. It was kind of like, okay, this is what it True. is. Um, yeah. Um, and there were some that I thought that they like, I don't know. Like there was something, it, it felt a little more nostalgia bait than 94 did to me. And so I was like, all right, like tone it down a little bit. Like <laughs> we could calm down somewhat. Um, it was just a little, I don't know. Wasn't totally there. It did also feel like maybe they'd all seen WNUF Halloween special at some point between the last movie and this one. And they were just <laughs> like, yeah, we should, we should emulate what they were doing in that. Um, but, um, cause it was just like very like the grainy footage, like weird shots. Like, I don't know. Um, just a strange strange. I don't know. They were all like, they weren't as like, I don't even think they were trying to be as scary as in other outings either. They were like a sillier. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think most of them were pretty silly. Um and I think I mean I think that was Shredding was pretty Shredding was pretty scary. Um Yeah, but it was so like Ozzy's Dungeon kind of scary but didn't shredding really was, deliver. Shredding was the was the, the the band, right? Yeah. The, that was kind of scary, but it was like it was also so like of the like trying to be of the 90s like rock scene. Like <laughs> Yeah. Like, All right. <laughs> um but yeah, like there was like a band called Bitch Cat. I was like, okay, um, <laughs> normal stuff. Normal stuff. Um, I mean, in the '90s, that was normal stuff. Like that would have been fronted by somebody who loves Courtney Love. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, basically. You know, but yeah, I don't know. It was just an interesting. I don't know. But like to Helen back was like all funny. Like the last one, which I feel like like they wanted to be like a bigger like a big set piece they were like excited about that one and it was like kind of comedic even i mean even ozzy's dungeon was like played for a lot of laughs yeah um, definitely um, even though it was like super upsetting Distur uh, very disturbing <laughs> in parts um um that was one that felt very of the 90s that was you know it was like a legend of the hidden temple style yeah exactly completely wrong um that was you know so that was kind of fun in its way and then it went like then it was something totally different and it was still fun. And like the ending was like a big creature set piece, which was kind of fun. Um, although it didn't, I didn't totally get what was happening. I was like, wait, <laughs> um, but you know, that's okay. I don't need to get it. Um, yeah. You know, um, suicide bid, mostly forgettable. Um, that's the one with the uh, yeah, no, the I, girl I remember the, in the, the coffin. Where where were they at in that? They were at um God, I remember they said the school they were at, and I was like, God fucking damn it! Oh, they were at TCU. They were at TCU. <laughs> no, um, the um, Horn Frogs. Um, 
um i just remember specific tcu and i was like no um, um the horn frogs would never do that um <laughs> aren't they like vaguely religious or something like i just they feel are, like they yeah. like yeah i feel like this is just like not the horn frogs um so anyway um but so what do i know i've never been there um burying people in the in the graveyard on yeah. i mean that is an upsetting thing so like that was kind of upsetting except for then it became like like they didn't really play with like the claustrophobia as much as they could have they like they very quickly i mean because it's a short it very quickly became more about like the other like the the lady who lived under there who'd been buried as well or whatever yeah the, the creepy ghost. like giant lady who yeah what the like, fuck was that <laughs> like she some like sort of like out of one of those like eight films to die for midnight horror fest walmart bargain bin movies. <laughs> like i was like what are we doing i was thinking oh. it was like a japanese ghost or something like how they, they yes. always have like like those abnormally sized ghosts or something have you ever seen grave dancers it looked like like yeah. grave dancers when that giant head comes up and it's just like chasing them around i'm like what is happening uh that's what it looked like um um just a very very strange thing um although kind of fun for a bit um i you know i like the like um catty sorority girl vibe of a horror it's kind of fun um no. And then one had Medusa. That was like a weird yeah. thing. I was like, the Gawkers. <laughs> yeah. The Gawkers was in many ways just kind of like a dumbed down version of Amateur Night. Yeah, um, it was very. Well, <laughs> it was like um, Disturbia. It was like, um, what's that? There are other horror movies where it's like somebody tries to watch a girl through the window and it goes completely wrong. Like those are, those are, that's like a, a mild sub subsection, you know, uh-huh. like the spying horror gone wrong. Scenes. Yeah. Um, but, but like Disturbia kind of, I don't know. That's, it's yeah. like that, except for like in Disturbia, he wasn't trying to watch a girl. He just thought, you know, his neighbor was a creep. He was right. But, um, yeah. Um, um, yeah, this one, they're just, they're, they're horny teens trying yes. to spy on their hot neighbor, including <laughs> installing spyware on her 90s, like, uh, Apple iMac. <laughs> Yeah, I like. Which that, I like, love that the iMac showed up in this, like the blue yes. and white one. That was and, so and they're like, "Oh, is that an iMac?" The boys are watching. They're like, "Is that an iMac?" Oh, I need a sugar mama. I'm like, "All right, um, <laughs> fair enough." Um, the, yeah, it's just a bunch of horny teens watching this woman, and then it turns out, you know, fucking she's Medusa. Um, which I feel like, stone. Know, the Medusa yeah. stuff was pretty cool, but like, like many of the shorts here, once you get to the good parts, it's over. Like that, um, that seemed to keep happening here. That was, that was kind of the problem, um, with Ozzy's dungeon. Um, right. For me is that like, they had this cool setup where it's like, we're going to go to, we're going to go back to the set of this children's game show. And it's actually like the cave is real and there's some sort of magical creature in there, but then like everybody dies like right away. And there's, very little exploration of what's actually going on in there. and it was confusing because like he's like so it's like this whole thing is like first of all it's like very racially charged the whole the whole short um in a good way i think that was like a good i mean it's it's directed by like a black man you know and written so yeah flying you know, lotus obviously he yeah he's think exactly flying lotus he's thinking about these sorts of things so like it you know um i really i appreciate that vhs brought some themes to the to the uh to the series um and so, like, there are elements of it that are really good, but it, like, it takes so much time to get to, like, the real meat of it. Um, like, the opening part where it's the girl competing on the show becomes very upsetting, but it's kind of upsetting in a way that is, like, unpleasant to watch. Um, 
it was like all right she we're watching her break her leg over and over and over yeah. <laughs> um which is of course also i think thematic of the way yeah the that's like showing like, the exploitive nature yeah. like whoa like, and especially that. being that she's like a little black girl like they're definitely thinking about how society you know does like the like the like trauma porn um especially for mm-hmm. like you know black people and black characters in media um yeah so it was I a get, cool I get story it. that just could have done with a little more runtime because i feel like we had three basic parts here we had you know the flashback tape of the original game show which was like definitely could have been a bit shorter then we have like the unhinged mother forcing the game show host through this twisted version of the original game show which was also kind of nauseating it's kind of like a saw trap yeah uh you have to go through all these horrible challenges there's like actual poop there's like there's, a shit scene which yeah is like very upsetting um. <laughs> yeah uh that was pretty gross but and, and then that that part is also probably a bit too long but then the third part which is the coolest part which is like we're gonna go and like visit this mystical being that's actually part of a children's game show like wait what like what is going on here exactly it ends so quickly like as soon as they're inside um yeah it's which, super abrupt i mean it tends to happen in these VHS shorts because, you know, the camera operator gets killed quickly. I, I don't um, know. I feel like if you look back at, like, other VHS outings, the horror isn't, like, where it ends. Like, it's not, like, build, 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 then it's over. It's, like, like think about all of the best VHS outings. Like, there are long chase scenes and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's none of that here. Um, we and, like, it's not always. Like, the, the Ratma one, it's, like, the end is where it really gets, like, holy fuck. But like, um, but, but like that was different because the tension is a lot horror. of dread in that. One. Yeah, these ones did not the tunnels and stuff. These ones could not sustain dread or tension at all. They like, um, the the flying lotus one, uh, the Ozzy's dungeon was the one that came closest for me. Like he, just because of how unfortunate that segment in the middle where they're making him go through the <laughs> through the version. Yeah, of the game. I, I still think that that is probably the best one here, just because it's got the most interesting ideas and. Right. Like it, it's got some genuinely disturbing parts. Um, so yeah, that's still my favorite. Yeah, probably my my favorite as well. Um, um, shredding was all right. Uh, I, I th- there was a vibe to shredding that was kind of similar to like the frame story from the first VHS, where it's like these assholes are just going around filming stuff and breaking into places and, and being generally like vaguely misogynist like they like clearly like ragging on this like all-female band they're like oh yeah they got trampled yeah wonder what that looks like and like trying to recreate it with pl- blow-up dolls what Did, just being as like edgy as possible um it like it, it's filmed kind of like a like a punk rock tape like there's like little bits interspersed of them like just doing stupid stunts and shit um so like that that feels they they use the the medium pretty well here um and at least there is a bit of time after you know so they they break it into this abandoned uh concert venue where a band got trampled to death like 10 years ago or whatever and then they or when they're performing in there, they get attacked by the zombies of the band. Um, and so like once the band shows up, they actually do get a decent amount of time of them, like chasing around the yeah, band members yeah, and this picking one them has off a little and bit stuff. Of 
I thought it was cool that like the one the most superstitious and afraid member like actually managed to kill one of the zombies with right. like a like a ritual. Um, so there, there was some some good stuff there. Um, so yeah, my, I think I think my my rating overall, I like last two are Gawkers and Suicide Bit. I don't know which which is dead last. Uh, Aussie's dungeon first, maybe shredding third and then second would be hell and back. Okay. Interesting. Um, hell and back. I thought was pretty fun. Um, it's just like, a lot of running around in what looked like, like a, a live action set built based on oblivion, the elder scrolls. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't, it, that's scary so if we're going just off scariness i would say it's probably like third or fourth but it like it was it was pretty funny and the uh the demon they had that kept showing up was pretty good um so i like that okay and and this was made by the people who made uh deadstream yes which we talked about recently um and the the woman playing the the demon is the one who played uh what the ghost lady in the last one yes yeah <laughs> she's got a very similar whatever vibe her name there. is yeah oh it's the same very similar vibe yes oh uh, uh, i like how she's like write write my name in the book of the dead <laughs> the the demon mabel <laughs> like they're they're going for like a little bit of a a hail rotma moment there like hail mabel yes like, okay yeah that doesn't land quite as hard but no oh, well because like, you're not you're not i mean look at ratma come on you can't recreate that <laughs> you can't be ratma ratma is yeah. a plus ratma is ratma there's no you can't just redo that um yeah i mean i that one was like fun to watch it was just like i didn't re- like it was just so much just running around like yeah it was like it was an interesting concept, the idea that like you're doing this ritual and then all of a sudden you end up in hell with the video camera that you're like trying to get out. Right. Like um just another one of those situations where it's like, why are they still filming? Like they're literally in hell. It's like there's any value to continuing to film must be supplanted by the risk of getting stuck in hell. But okay. Wait, uh, I think there's actually a lot of value. Can I like I feel like if you're in hell you continue filming because if you get out, you have like video evidence proof of hell. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. That That would be a huge, like life changing thing for a lot of people to like see video evidence of hell. Although if I saw video evidence of this hell, I think it was a set piece, a set somewhere, but yeah. um, Yeah. Like that, that is, is probably the biggest shortcoming is that like, even though they're in hell, like a lot of times it's just like, they're kind of running around in like, it's like they're in a found footage, Nevada based, alien yeah. horror movie where they're just like gonna find like fucking those movies i was watching like a few weeks ago the alien movies about the phoenix lights um <laughs> that's what it looked like Your except phoenix it was red tinted yeah um but yeah so overall i mean not the strongest vhs segment uh or like vhs installment overall no. um i don't know if i'd say it's the worst I haven't watched VHS viral in a while. And that's generally the one that people say is the worst. That's the one with the what? I don't remember what's in that one. So maybe it is the worst. The only thing I remember about that one is like the, the skateboarders fighting off the zombies. And that one, like that's the only good segment. The the rest are completely forgettable. 
I don't remember the rest. So I oh, that's the one with the magician thing. What magician? The one where there's the the evil magician guy. He's like a magician and he does magic tricks, but they're like real. He he's tapping into real magic or something, and then oh. I remember that. Um, okay. That's the one with like the the weird parallel universe selves. Yeah, okay, I remember that one. It's only three segments in that one. Um, Ooh, and they're mm. each a little bit longer than your usual VHS segment. But the one with the skateboarders is the best one for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It was okay. I, I didn't, I didn't regret watching it, but I was like, all right. Um, I hope the next one's better. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, but I'll still, you know, I'll keep watching them because it's a fun concept no matter what. I mean, as far as yeah, anthology yeah. films go, VHS still delivers exactly what you expect pretty much. Um, so that that's fun. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about Halloween ends. But first, what are we drinking tonight? Oh, you call me the yard. I'll I'll go first. I'll go okay. first. All right. So um, I have a drink themed around our second movie of the night. Yeah, me too. Um, go on. <laughs> this is a stingy Jack. Whoa! You is... gave it a name. No, I looked this recipe up. Uh, Wait, did you look up a recipe called Stingy Jack? I did. Yes. Whoa, that exists. Yeah. Well, so Stingy Jack is, is a yes, yeah, is a classic uh, character in Halloween mythology. Uh, he's basically the jack o' lantern, right? The yes. one who originates it, and we'll get more into that when we talk about the movie. But um, so yeah, there's there's a few things themed around him out there. This this recipe, uh, which I got off of the Food Network website, um, has cognac, orange juice, allspice dram, Angostura bitters, and simple syrup. So um, it's like just going for orange, basically, with some spice, yeah, warm spice. Yeah. There, the the recipe also calls to mix in uh, some pumpkin beer, which I was like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't want to make a beer tail and the rest of this sounds pretty good together so that's I'm just drinking the cocktail part and it's pretty good. It's kind of like a like a tiki drink of sorts. Yeah, a little bit. Got a lot of spice in there. Um a little bit of sweetness. It's pretty good. Ooh. Ooh. Um okay, that's Mm-mm. cool. That's cool. Glad you found a recipe that's uh distinctly like specifically named after Stingy Jack. That's cool. Um, I am not drinking anything that I looked up or that was called Stingy Jack. I just threw them together as I could. And I haven't given it a name. I was basing it off of like, I was like, what do like, what's like a kid's Halloween vibe I could go for? So it's like <laughs> cider with some caramel liqueur that I have. Um, oh. I know. And some pucker. Um, uh-huh, yeah. And uh, it's a little bit of bourbon. So it's like a, a caramel apple vibe is what I'm going oh, for. Oh, yeah, that's good. Um, that's good. Yeah, uh, it's pretty good. It's like very sweet. So I'm like sipping it very slowly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds sweet. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was like kitty Halloween. Um, so it would have been great if we were talking about Hocus Pocus too, where he keeps talking about the fucking caramel apples. Yeah. Oh, my God. The the obsession <laughs> with the caramel apple in that. Yeah. Um, Laura and I were watching it. And I was just like, what is the deal? Like, why is he so obsessed with the caramel apple? And she's like, he really likes the caramel apple. He had like a whole speech about it. I'm like, but why? Why is he like dead set on getting the caramel apple? Like to the extent that after he gets like mobbed by that group of people, his biggest concern is that he doesn't have his caramel apple. <laughs> 
He like, must like it must just be like one of those things where he has like one a year and he's like, fuck, if I don't get it now, it's like yeah. never it's not gonna happen for another year, you know. Also, caramel apples not not a great not a great snack at all. They're they're too sticky, they're hard to bite into, probably gonna lose a tooth. Um, so the hard to bite into is a thing that I don't like. I think the flavor is great, so I like totally get the the appeal. Um, I, I, like, I do like the flavor, yeah. I like apple and I like caramel. I, I enjoy both quite a lot. Um, but it's like just like I'd rather just like slice up some apple and dip it into a caramel dip. Yeah, really yeah. Um, that is that's so. the superior version there. All right, so uh, let's talk about Halloween ends. We've covered every halloween movie so far so we had to talk about this one um this movie was fucking weird like that's my first thing to say definitely weird uh we could definitely say that there's there's some vibes here of uh rob zombies halloween 2 i think okay to a certain extent Um, I like when it's like a rom-com in a grocery store. That's like my favorite moment of this movie. When Laurie Strode is having a meet cute with the guy that <laughs> yes. she um, <laughs> That uh, was a great part. I, I, I'm like, I don't know what we're doing. Like, I don't really understand. Um, it was a very, very interesting. The vibes in this movie were just like so all over the place. <laughs> they um, really were. Some people have been saying that like of the uh, of the new trilogy – this is the Halloween three <laughs> in that it doesn't have anything to do with the first two. <laughs> like a little bit, a little bit. I mean, but it, it also does have a lot to do with the first two. Like, it's not like a continuation of the exact plot in the same way, but like, like the characters are very influenced by what happened in the last two movies. Well, one character is, I got to say that Laurie Strode is suddenly just like a different human. I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> Laurie Strode uh, has been different in each installment of this. That's true. Trilogy. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what they were doing with that. Um, like she was suddenly like really well adjusted for a bit in this movie, but then she was, she suddenly will not be, but she still like is like, it's just very confusing. I'm like, I don't really know if you understand what characterization you're going for. Um, well, I do think I do think part of this was supposed to be all about like moving on and true like the only way through trauma is to like truly open yourself up again. Um God, I hope this movie can be like the end of like trauma being what we talk about after every <laughs> fucking horror release. I'm like so but it's just like I don't know that the horror format is the best. Um, <laughs> even though every Maybe horror so. character is inherently traumatized. Um, like there's just like no way around that, but like, like I don't just like clearly the format is not great for discussing actually healing from trauma. Um, I think I think Haunting of Hill House does it pretty well. I just finished true, watching, but that's that. a long form series. Yeah, it's a little bit different true. than a horror movie. Um, yeah, you've got more time there. It's also different. Okay, it's also different in like a slasher versus a ghost story. A ghost story can do a lot of different things, and a slasher can. They're just yes. like very, like ghost stories have a lot of different built-in themes than slashers do. Um, and that's okay. Slashers should play to their strong suits. You can still cover some like weighty themes. You just like maybe I don't know that every single one of these movies had to be fucking about trauma. I like I just don't know why all three of them had to be like, this is about trauma. It's like, okay. <laughs> okay. The trauma trilogy. It is literally the trauma trilogy. I will say, though, this movie does a lot of things that are interesting and weird, and I respect it for that. 
Um, I like it brought in like a new fake Michael Myers, which was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, we got um, some sort of like supernatural vibes from Michael Myers in this well, one. Well, you know they had to do that because by the end of it, they have to have a way to somehow bring something back for any future in- installments, and they'll need the supernatural to do that. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> um, Michael is fully gone at the end of this movie. Um, unless they – what was the end of um Halloween – uh, H2O when it turns out that Laurie had beheaded the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> they'll just, they just do that, that one again. Um, they'll, they'll do that here. Um, and then it what, won't be beheading. It will be much worse. Um, this yeah. town, this town meted out its own set of justice. This town, this is when the lights went out in Georgia. Like, this is just like, <laughs> we're just like out here just being like, no, whatever. Like, we don't need to like go through like the legal system just exactly. like fuck it, fuck it up um, i love that the entire town including the law enforcement is in on it they're just like yeah in fairness in the last movie yeah. michael killed like a crowd of like 20 people just like for funsies like like they were beating him down with like metal things and he just stood up and killed them all so i guess like you know maybe they would um <laughs> yeah um, i mean this movie not... just felt <clears throat> so halloween First of all, Halloween 2018 is already kind of a weird movie, but it's like, you know, it's like kind of like a weird, takes itself very seriously horror movie um, and whatever. Then Halloween Kills is like kind of like big and messy and all over the fucking place um, and probably the low point of the new trilogy, but very entertaining. Um, So like, it was just like a mess, but this one felt like relatively like quieter and more isolated. Like, it's just like, it's not... Like he, like the whole town isn't up in arms in this movie. You're not like, like, you know, like it's not, you're not getting big mob scenes. You're not getting people running around screaming like everybody. You're just seeing like individual characters get picked off. So in some ways it was more like a return to like a classic slasher format in that way. Um, But at the same time, it was just felt like a very strange turnaround from the last one. Um, Like the last one was so big. Um, This one was just so much like comparatively just smaller yeah yeah i mean like the the whole town gets involved at the end but mostly it's just kind of eh, it's going just like around a and ceremonial getting, yeah like no. individual interactions and like small bits of what's going on in the town but i i, I think that does work very much to its benefit um yeah i to agree have like a, a more isolated feeling film kind of similar to the first one I think so. I mean, I think it does work better than Halloween Kills did. Um, it's definitely not perfect because it's just so uneven, but it is like more, it's more interesting in a lot of ways and it's trying different things than all the other Halloween movies in this trilogy have. Uh, so I appreciate that. Um, it's just so, it's so like, it's hard to make sense of the tone. Um, it's weirdly like, like you've got like weird moments where it's like a, a a light family dramedy, just like Laurie and her granddaughter like living together, like roommates. Um, <laughs> um, you've got like the who's what's the granddaughter's name? I can't remember her name. Andy, Alex, something. I think the actress's name is Andy. Yeah. Is it Allison? Is it like what's the character? That, I can't. Remember. That sounds right. That. Um, Hold on. Hold hold for Allison. Yes, it is Allison. Okay, great. Um so like Allison is like trying like trying to like live her life. Um but she's like kind of fucked up. Um we know she's fucked up because she enters into a whirlwind romance after meeting a guy for like 1 hour. Um 
And they're like, I mean, she meets Corey and she's ready to run away with this man the next day. It is extremely like teen soap drama romance. We are just like fully like throwing ourselves into this. It's like, they're like riding around on a motorcycle. There's music playing. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, this is very like, like Bonnie and Clyde. Like I was getting like some Twin Peaks vibes. There were moments where I was like, are we going to play like waiting for a girl like you? And we're going to like run off into like the, like the (laughs) night. Like I was like, what are we doing here? Um, and like they're just like all over one another. Corey is obviously fucked up. Um, so the the weird. So one of the weirdest things about this movie is the cold open, uh, or is was it called? I don't. Yeah, it was cold open. It's still like yeah. they do like a weird open, and it's not like a Michael Myers kill at all. You keep thinking like you're thinking the other shoe's gonna drop and it's gonna be Michael there, um, all of these different times in this opening. But it's Corey babysitting, and in it in it a. Uh, a very upsetting accident. He accidentally kills the boy he's babysitting by <laughs> kicking a door open. And the boy the most flies over a railing and ridiculously falls, like, cartoonish four kill. stories down and dies. Um, Somehow he falls like perpendicular because like the, the, the door was not like directly facing the railing. Right. I don't know what the fuck was happening. I guess he like stumbled he, back. I don't he know. He went flying. Um, the thing is, yeah, the boy is it, a dickweed. So the boy is like a dick, and he like locks Corey in a, in a, in a like a sort of like a walk-in attic on the top floor. Um, yeah, like Corey's kind of getting bullied by this like eight-year-old kid. Yeah, this eight-year-old kid <laughs> is an asshole. Um, and so Corey gets upset when he's locked in the attic. He's clearly like not happy about being locked in this small dark space, and he wants out. Um, and so he's like banging on the door trying to get out. And so he finally kicks the door open and the kid was standing there and he flies over the railing and dies. Um, I mean, it's not Corey's fault. We find out in the aftermath that Corey is blamed for it. Um, so that like sucks for Corey. Um, yeah. Um, but it's not, it's not his fault. Um, yes, but a bunch Corey of people... did nothing wrong. <laughs> if there's anything Corey, to take away from here. I want to preface everything we say about this movie with Corey has done nothing wrong except for kill people and be in potentially gay love with Michael Myers. Unclear, unclear, but he has a very like nightmare on Elm street to Freddy's revenge vibe happening between Michael and Corey. Um, (laughs) Like they're like, they have some weird, like things going on down there in that cave that I can't quite explain. Um, It's, it's sort of like when Dracula, like, like has to like feed on like, like male, victims and it's always just like what are we doing like and like he's like a renfield yeah it's just like so it's so strange um and again like i it really maybe like intentionally was like it felt a lot like freddy's revenge where like the freddy and the the one boy just have like a very upsetting dynamic um (laughs) except in this one you know Corey completely succumbs to the evil that is michael myers um and like decides to start killing um, so like, there's like a decent chunk of the kills in this movie that aren't even actually Michael. They're just Corey. Um, so Corey's running around just committing murders. Um, yeah. And didn't we just talked about this in the, uh, in the art, the clown episode, how it's, it's kind of interesting when uh, a film like actually fully commits to the whole, uh, Oh, the, the serial killer has influenced the good people to become killers as well. Yes that bit but usually and, uh, the bit is like they're victims of the killer and so that's why they become like a 
you know, like, um, like even in like terrifier, um, like, uh, Vicky is like a victim of art, the clown. Yeah. And that's why she becomes like a killer in her own way or, you know, um, but like Corey doesn't re- I mean, he sort of does. Cause he does get locked in that cave, that sewer cave with Michael, but like really he just happened to be thrown down there. Like it wasn't like Michael came after him. Like Corey right. walked away from his, his run in with Michael. Totally fine. Um, he could have like gone about his life, not being a killer, but instead he was like, okay, now I got to commit murders. Um, so um, Corey's influence. Corey was influenced by this town um, because this town turned on him. They all hate him. Yeah. Um, and, and part of the, like the big background of all this is that we see how the, the murders of Michael Myers have turned Haddonfield into just an awful place to be. Um, like the, so the, the whole incident with Corey killing the kid happens a year after Michael Myers come, uh, came back in, uh, 2018. Right. And, um, now the, the rest of the film is set 10 years, wait, not 10 years, like five years after. I'm going to say, what the fuck? It's, it's set. Allison it's, did not it's change set, that much. <laughs> it's set in the present. It's set in like 2022. Um, yes. You know this because all of the lead up, like the director or whatever writer, he kept being like, yeah, COVID exists in this universe and that'll be a factor. And it like completely was not a factor. <laughs> not um, at all. There was like no uh, reference to it. I was like, that's I mean, so funny. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's like Michael Myers is like a metaphor for COVID. It's like I wa- but I wonder if they're like, I wonder if like when the like the the video releases come out, there are deleted scenes that have more like direct references. Um, like, oh, don't go to that bar. You got to wear a mask. Like, right. Like <laughs> it would be very funny if there were like a mask thing um, and everybody's masked. And of course, Michael is also masked. And so is Corey. Um, um, I like when they somehow both have the exact same outfit and mask because there was only one mask. Um I'm like, I was very confused by some of what was happening in this movie. Um, they were, they were passing the mask around. They just needed, needed the mask. But there's a dual kill scene. There's the team up kill. Right. Well, they, they did like a, like a, um, like an Arkham Knight style. Oh, uh, like down. Yeah. Where yeah. They, they pass the mask over. Press so X can do to do kill. a joint takedown. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, you're right. Um, they, they just press that X button. Smash the X button. Um, yeah, that's uh, that th- that joint kill is one of the most fun kills in the movie. Like the the like the doctor and nurse kill, where it's like they're skeezy, so you don't care if these two characters yeah. die, and like um, they're like wealthy and they shouldn't be sleeping together, but they are, and there's like a massive age gap, and it's upsetting. Um, I love but, the way that the the like the kills are ordered because it's it's sort of like you they go from like more justifiable to less justifiable. <laughs> like the first ones, you're like, yeah, these people deserve it, and towards the end, you're like, wait, like, eh, why why are we doing this? Yeah, I mean, maybe nobody deserves it, but like, <laughs> <laughs> some of the, some of the people in this town are real shitty, man. The, the, uh, those like teens. Those teens are assholes. I don't understand what the fuck is wrong with Corey. Corey's a grown ass man in this movie. And he lets himself get bullied by an eight year old. And then by some teenagers, some high school students who are band kids of all people, some high school band kids, If a high school band kid tried to bully me. 
dear so help them god like yeah listen as someone well so who help was, these band kids i guess like as someone who was in the marching band in high school there's no way that a group of marching band kids are bullying anyone let alone a 25 year old man it's so funny <laughs> that he was like they're like marching band kids but they're clearly like coded as like the cool kids in their school like the way they carry yeah, themselves and like act. the football players but like I don't they, know, maybe football isn't cool anymore, so they have to be like, all right, the new jocks are the band. Well, I don't, so what I do think is real is that, like, band isn't, like, the geeky thing it was when we were in school. Like, like it's, like, where if you're in that, you're automatically, like, the social, like, out circle, you know? You're not on, like, the, the, the cool kids. Like, now I don't think it matters, but I don't think you're, like, the popular kid. Like, yeah. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. I mean, I think I'm fairly in touch with. Like, I still watch, you know, shows and stuff for young people. It doesn't seem that marching band has changed that much. Um, it's just less, less obviously dork coded. Look, but I, like... I watch Riverdale. I know what high school is like. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know about the epic highs and lows of high school football. <laughs> um, so... I don't know. It's like a very strange thing where he's like getting bullied by those kids. And so then, okay. Also the kids bully him and they, they are especially nasty. And then he's like upset. And Laurie Strode sees this happening. is like, do you want to do it? Or do you want me to? And gives him a knife to slash their tires. Laurie Strode, <laughs> you're a grandmother. Like <laughs> Laurie Strode. No, no, that's badass when she does that. She's got a, she's carrying a switchblade for, I mean, of course life. she should be carrying a switchblade. She's Laurie Strode. She should have a gun. She should be like Sydney Prescott in scream five. Or she's like, I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. Like, yeah, like she should be constantly strapped, but like, she probably is. Yeah. I mean, we, I saw Halloween 2018. That woman, her house was a trap. Um, but I, but part of I, part of the plot of this movie is that she's sort of moved on from that. Like she's bought yeah, she's a, wearing a an house. apron and baking terrible pies. She's she's baking really bad pies. She's in town, like you know, living a normal, mostly normal life in town. But I, I part of the connection here is that she is also treated like an outcast in Haddonfield because um, everyone seemingly blames her. Yeah, for Yeah, another Myers thing that coming makes back. virtually zero sense. Like it's just like a complete. Like these, this town is full of awful people. Like I'm really? convinced they're that, like, all like almost everyone in this town sucks so bad. There are like, except for like four the good sheriff people. It's like and the sheriff, like Lori, Lori Allison, and fucking Paris Hilton's niece or whatever. Aunt. <laughs> um, um, it like makes no, Kyle Richards, whatever her name is. Um, she's like a normal, except now she's like, first of all, now she's like a tarot card reader or whatever. Like she's just like, Oh, and I'm re I'm doing your tarot. I'm like, why are you in this movie? Like, was this just like a paycheck for you? Like, I don't know. Um, um, but I'm glad that she survived. That left another survivor of the original movie, the original, um, cause you know, Tommy Doyle got him, got his shit, shit wrecked at the end of Halloween kills. So <laughs> yeah. Um, evil dies tonight. You know what? They intentionally didn't have Laurie say that in this movie. Cause there were multiple moments where I was like, come on, say evil dies tonight. <laughs> you time. gotta do it. It's time for it. They, but they didn't do it. And I was like, come on, let let say it. Cause evil is going to die tonight. Evil's going to die tonight. And I was so excited for it. And she never said it. I hope there's a deleted scene just of that, just of her shouting it or something. Cause that, I'm that, sure it's in there somewhere. That was the best part of Halloween kills. Rewatching it. Like right before this, we were, we were just like watching the scenes of everybody shouting evil dies tonight. And it's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> every time. Um, it's so funny. Cause evil didn't die. Um, 
I guess that's the point. It's like they were like mob rule. The problem is mob rule hasn't really died in Haddonfield. Like they all get, I mean, if they hadn't all taken, turned against Corey, Corey probably wouldn't have killed a bunch of people in this movie. Not to like blame the victims of Corey's murder spree, but like maybe if they hadn't blamed him for killing a kid, like, which he clearly didn't do. Like, yeah. I mean, of course the mom of the kid who died in this movie is just like, drunk on a bar stool like you killed my kid i was like when's michael gonna show up for her um well she's like at least she has like a reason to be upset and like traumatized and like you can't necessarily expect her to be rational about it but the fact that like everyone else in town including like the teenagers like why the fuck do you care like they're like bullying this guy he's like oh you murderer like well i wouldn't be fucking with the murderer if i thought that he was an actual murderer um right and that's they, the that's the thing they're like oh you're a kid murderer we're gonna bully you i'm like why do you think that's a good idea if i thought somebody was a kid murderer i'd stay far away like unless you've forgotten you're a child like you're a yes. high schooler so very true um but they, they like the one guy has like rich dad or something like that's like a plot point for him he's like he's like loaded he probably thinks nothing can happen to him um it just like the whole town is just like, I mean, of course the town is fucked up, but like, they're all just like, they're so nasty to everyone. Like when that one, like, I mean, okay. So the victim, uh, a victim of the last movie shockingly survived. Um, and she reappears in this movie. Um, the, the older black woman who, whose husband was killed by Michael, but she somehow managed to survive. Oh she, yeah. After just getting an entire butcher's block of knives shoved into her. Yeah, I was like, how are you still alive? Um, but she's alive, and she doesn't really say much, but she shows back up. And she, I guess, I think it's her sister who's like, and she's like this because of you, Lori. And I'm like, in what world is that Lori's fault? Y'all live <laughs> next door to Lori. That's not like, it's not her fault that she like, that Michael came back. Like, yeah, like how? I really, I really do not get like the logic there. Right, and it's not like... Because these movies retcon so much of the previous movies, you can't even say like, oh, it was your brother. You should have, you know, whatever. Like, right, it's just like, yeah. he's just some stranger to Laurie who tried to kill her one night 40 years ago. Why is it her fault that he got out of jail and came back for them? Like, that's not her fault. Like, it's unfortunate, but it's not her fault. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it that, that part. So, that part both doesn't make any sense, but also like doesn't make the movie illogical. It just feels like the characters are like shitty people, which is something that you could believe in like a small town like this. Maybe that just it's, like everybody <clears throat> has their ideas and they, well, this like, is they the same town that decided a, a small squat man in a hospital was Michael Myers and pushed him to jump out of a window and kill himself. So, you know, in Halloween Kills, remember, they all chased that that man yeah. through the hospital. That man who very clearly was not Michael Myers. He's like no. short and squat and doesn't seem to know what he's doing at any given moment. How that man is supposed to be Michael Myers is like a complete mystery to me. Um, but um, so, you know, it's believable that this town is super shitty and it's sort of a continuation of that theme, I guess, from Halloween Kills. But it is a very strange way that they're shitty. But it all works to a certain theme of, like, isolation, um, which you feel in a lot of the way the movie is set up. Like, a lot of scenes happen in isolation from other characters. A lot of 
a lot of characters are doing things on their own in this movie. Um, so it does all sort of like work together towards a certain like theme and concept. Um, yeah. I just wish they'd maybe done some of it in a slightly more logical manner. <laughs> um, but it's okay. Um, Cause it's still, yeah. it still works. I think. Um, so, um, so Corey, as we talked about is like sort of hitting it off with Allison because um, after after the incident at the uh, at the gas station with the switchblade and everything, um, Corey, uh, who, who has been injured by these band teens, uh, gets sent to to the hospital where Allison works. God, that is by... such a fucking own. He just got like <laughs> fucking bodied by some band kids and had to go to the hospital. And the girl still wanted to go out with you. Yeah, even after she found out. So yeah, Lori Lori sends in there kind of like being like, oh, maybe like, oh, oh, that's where that's where Allison works. This might be good. Um and they they hit it off like immediately um for who knows what reason. I think that, you know, they they like Allison sees something of herself in him and that like she feels like an outcast too because of the way that the town treats her and Lori. Um she also is is like not in a really great situation uh like she's she's got an okay job but like her boss is really like demeaning to her and she's got this ex-boyfriend who's always following her around who's like 40 years old yeah that's cop. an upsetting plot point <laughs> i don't like that at all these like always like did, like did they actually like have a real relationship or is he just like imagining this like what i got what, the vibe why? that they did have something it might have only been like a date or two but like they did something you know like they went out or something he's a real sleazeball so yeah so she she's looking for some sort of connection with someone who also is kind of an outcast in this town and finds it in Corey. um and they they go out to a Halloween party and he's like sort of having fun for the first time in a while, but then runs into the drunk mom who like yells at him. And then he, he feels like an outcast again. And he's not being supported by Allison cause she wasn't there. Cause she was off dancing. Like that was really, he takes offense to that very quickly, but um, one of many red flags that she doesn't really like. See. Yeah. And he's like, how did you leave me here? And I'm like, all right, you're a 25 year old man. I don't, you know, you, you should be able to handle yourself, Corey, like really like stand up for yourself. Okay. Um, I mean, so he, in fairness to Corey, the town is pretty shitty to him. They, the sure whole are. town has turned on him. <laughs> so then the biggest shitty incident of all happens when he's, he's walking home by himself, uh, cause he's run off in the party and he gets assaulted by the same group of teens <laughs> <laughs> who ran into him earlier like these, these guys teens are, just like, are like fucking i don't know what the fuck but they're just like running into him everywhere i mean i know haddonfield's a kind of small town but come on do they like uh, do they have his find my phone or something like how are they they're they're like stalking him or something but anyway so they they get into a scuffle on a footbridge and uh he like the the leader the leader of these teens ends up pushing him over the edge and of course they run off thinking that they've killed him but 
Instead, much like uh, which installment was it when where Michael like washes down the river and gets revived by the hermit? Oh is my that... god, which one is that? Oh, that was that so four great. and between four and five. It might be four and, and five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but much like that, he gets dragged off into like a sewer tunnel or something by Michael Myers. Yes. And, yes. And there's this old homeless guy like skulking around too. Yeah, um, in like who, the the yard underneath the bridge. Um, who picks up the switchblade that Corey had? Um, and like, th- I feel like this was a missed opportunity here. That this this homeless guy should have either been John Carpenter or Rob Zombie. <laughs> I feel like either of them could have convincingly played a homeless guy and both would have been just like a fantastic cameo at this point. I don't know right. if either of them would have done it, but <laughs> if I'm casting this movie, that's where the first calls go. Yes. Like, can we get one of them to do this? <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. Um, So he gets dragged into the, the sewers by Michael Byers and Michael is living there uh presumably he's been there since 2018 so he's well you know michael he lives off rats and dogs so he can stay there (laughs) he's there he's clearly been eating rats you know getting back to his old ways um and he's he's very much the worst for wear he's he's weak he like sort of kind of tries to attack Corey at one point but then just gives up Um, well because remember in the last movie laurie has a whole spiel about how every time he kills, he like gets stronger. He hasn't killed mm-hmm. in like four years. Yeah. So and that much that, that it clearly in this film, I think more than anything so far, shows that he actually does get like he he sustains himself mostly by killing. Like that's that's how he lives, kind of like a vampire. Like he he's living off the rats, like like Lestat does oh in God. Interview with the Vampire. Yeah. But it's not it's not enough just to kill rats. It's not sustaining him. Um, it's not enough just to kill rats. <laughs> it's not. You heard it he's, here first, folks. He's it's very weak. Um, you got it. <laughs> um, and he's baby. Some might say he's he, like <laughs> he's, he's, Michael Myers is baby. Though. Michael Myers is baby. What are you gonna do about it? Um, actually, Corey is baby. Um. But Corey is like a grumpy baby. Michael Myers is like a sleepy baby. Um, yeah, but Michael Myers is just like hanging out in the sewers under town. He's very like it. Um, I think it's interesting that they like decided to like really lean into like the idea that like you have to, he had to kill in order to like gain power. It's like similar to like like a Freddy Krueger kind of vibe where like he has to be feared in order to like have any sort of real power. Um yeah. You no, know, Michael Michael sort of has that that same vibe by this movie. Um Unfortunately, he also has the power to like transmit evil by looking somebody in the eyes or something. Yeah. Um, so uh, So I I He's kind of like is... Samara from The Ring in that regard. <laughs> um really Or Jigsaw apparently. Oh, um, what? <laughs> like Jigsaw. Well, Jigsaw just turns everybody into murderers like Well, yes, but right. Jig jigsaw does it through his acts he um he you know he heals how i heal that that is his thing um and by healing he just turns more people into murderers correct but um 
but in this, yeah, Michael Myers, I think it calls back to the quote from the first movie where it's like, I looked into his eyes and I could just see nothing just like, Oh yeah. Well, it, it, it calls back to all sorts of Dr. Loomis bullshit. <laughs> but in this one, yeah. Like he, he stares into his eyes and like, just has like these, these like dark visions and stuff. Um, very abstract kind of creepy shit. Um, and that clearly like sort of is meant to awaken something in him. Not all at once, but very slowly. Corey looking into Michael Myers' eyes. Sure hope this doesn't awaken anything. It's <laughs> better not awaken anything. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um it's very much it, it it is that way. Um yeah. so he he like makes his way out of the sewers after this encounter. Um and promptly runs into this homeless guy with the switchblade. He's like, you saw him in there, didn't you? Like, well, so the homeless guy clearly knows Michael Myers in there. And like a crazy thing to know and keep to yourself. I'm like, what could you like tell someone? Like, I know you're a homeless guy, but like, I'm sure like this town. So I know most people would not listen to a homeless person. That would be the obvious answer. But if there's anyone who's crazy enough to listen to a homeless person who says that Michael Myers is living in the sewers, it's literally anyone in this town. Also, are you no, but do you mean to tell me that after Michael Myers escaped at the end of Halloween kills, there wasn't a full manhunt that included searching the sewers? Like, you think so. What you are you really talking so. about? Also, Maybe. how did he get away? Like <laughs> he killed all those people in like a street. Like, and then killed Judy Greer just in a house. And like, there were people everywhere. There were people in the house and he just walked out and left town and nobody saw him. Well, uh, Michael Myers does have like a next level ability to just disappear. I mean, we saw this in the first movie multiple times. He can just fucking he, Batman ass. Get villain. the fuck out of there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, this homeless guy did know that Michael was there. Um, and Corey's like, Oh no. And like has to run away. Um, well, so he it, does more than run away. Yes. Uh, cause the, the, the homeless guy is not too pleased with Corey. Uh, is he, he's like trying to, trying to get him to like lure Michael out or something. It doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense. I don't know what he, the homeless guy is trying to he's, do. He's a little crazy, but anyway, he tries, he tries to kill Corey with the knife and Corey ends up accidentally stabbing the homeless man death yeah but this was like yet another like like accidental murder that like maybe Corey like doesn't i mean it's not really his fault like that was self-defense it's uh, not really no yeah. but but it's it's a slight escalation as opposed to knocking a child over a banister he like he did actually kill this person with his own hands um and that's clearly slowly starting to take a toll on him well, is it that, or is it looking into Michael Myers' evil eyes? Yeah, um, maybe maybe it's a combination of the two. Who knows? Um, Does it, is, it, is it a nature or a nurture? Well, that, that's we... what I was going to say. This movie is sort of tapping into that conversation, which is so a part of Michael Myers and was really a part of like the Rob Zombie Michael Myers era, where he was like really talking about nature and nurture um, for Michael. Um, this movie is sort of leaning into that with the Corey stuff. Because um, like, Corey's had a pretty fucked up go of it. Um, so there's every reason he would just be a fucked up human, but then it takes meeting Michael to really, really go for it. And then he's like, show me how to kill Michael. That whole scene in the sewer where they're, he, they're like having their little scuffle. And like, I'm like, this is erotic. And we all just need to take a breath, like a few breaths right now. Corey, I think you need to calm down. 
Unfortunately, Corey does not calm down. He becomes yeah. a murderer instead. But, nah. you know, I guess there are worse things. You could, I don't know, order drone strikes on foreign countries. <laughs> That's true. He's not, he's not, he, Michael Myers is still less of a killer than most American presidents. So it's <laughs> really, it, it, who's to say who the real killers are? Um, but so uh, Corey uh, is out on a date with Allison at like the town diner, which is like th- this, this whole movie, like it feels like we're going for like a, like a 1950s motorcycle movie vibe. Like there, first of all, there are motorcycles. There's always like, everybody's going to diners and oh being God. like, Hey there, that's my girl. Okay, and stuff that like that. One scene on a motorcycle where like Corey's like feeling good. Um, is this, this is like after he's killed the cop, right? Um, like, uh, I think it's after the doctor, the, the one on the motorcycle that you're talking about. Yeah. Well, it's the shot where he's like on the motorcycle and he's like smiling and he's got his glasses on and he's going yeah. down in the dark and then like it's panning away. And I was so convinced Michael Myers was going to be on the seat behind him. I was like, Oh <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Every, like literally everybody thought that cause everybody's posting about it online. And of course it turned out to be Allison, but it was like, Oh my God, if Michael is on the back of this motorcycle, that would, that have, would, that would have given, I mean, my letterbox rate rating for this movie, full extra star. If they'd included Michael Myers on the back of that motorcycle, man, I would have been like, Oh hell yeah. Let's fucking do it. That um, would have been an incredible, there should be an moment. extended scene where it's like him, like thinking it's Michael or something just so we can see that shot. We, I, yeah. I we just that. need an alternate cut where, where that actually happens. Um, Cause presumably actually that did happen in some capacity. Cause there are times where they are at the same place at the same time. Right. Like so, I do think that they got there together and he only has the motorcycle. So it right. is, it is plausible that that actually happens. Michael, Michael Myers just on the back of a motorcycle with Corey, just like two bros. Um, <laughs> except they're not five feet apart. No, they're, they're like, very close. I'm like, like thinking about Michael Myers, like arms around fucking this guy, like Corey, just like, yeah, just put my arms around this guy's waist while we go down the highway on the motorcycle. <laughs> um, I don't know if Michael Myers has real thoughts in his head or not. So just bro things, just bro things. Um, yeah. So it's a, it, it's a bro hang movie. That's what this is, really. It's a bro hang. It's like uh, The Hangover. Um, <laughs> um, so so the the cop the cop um, the cop murder. Um, yeah, they're out at the a, a diner date, and uh, they get like the cop shows up and is being all smarmy. It's like, oh, I didn't realize this was, you were dating this freak, like stuff like that, and. They get into a bit of a confrontation and it's clear that the cop is like, he's going to use his cop ways to like go fuck with Corey. But Corey is one step ahead of him, lures him down to the sewers and uh, kills him along with Michael Myers. Yeah. Got our team of kills. Um, Yeah. So this is like, this is a big scene here because like Corey is still, clearly like afraid to some extent to like actually murder someone intentionally. And he asks Michael to help him like to show him how, and Michael, (laughs) like, I love this part, but I was just like, step aside. (laughs) (laughs) And he just goes to town and you can like see him like visibly gain strength after this kill. So this is when we're really establishing like, uh, that like the the true supernatural abilities 
of Michael Myers and his his gaining of strength through murder. Yes. It's so interesting that he doesn't, like, kill Corey this whole time. I mean, he, you know, we'll get to it later. But, like, there's, like, so many moments where he could have and he just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's certainly not... I don't think it's the first time in Halloween where somebody thought that they, him and Michael Myers had an understanding, uh, like in the whole franchise, like people have thought that before they could get away with Michael Myers and he kills them anyway. But in this time they sort of did have a, an understanding like later, later he, you know, later things go awry, but that's not really because they didn't have an understanding anymore. It's because Corey kind of broke, broke the understanding towards the end. Um, yeah. Um, but like, like in this time, it does appear that they do have some sort of understanding. It's like, yes, you are my my young Padawan. Um, <laughs> yeah, he is. He is sort of taking on an apprentice of sorts. Is it like? I, I, I wonder if it's like an agent. Like Michael's like, well, my body's gonna die, so I need to like transmit my evil into you. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, no, I think I think it is kind of like a like an old man Myers kind of thing, and like also like you know they like the 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 looking into the eyes thing might be like some sort of soul bond moment it's just kind of interesting i think that's an interesting concept and i think that the movie didn't really give itself room to like flesh it out because it was also trying to contend with laurie and like try to do the laurie stuff it was like like, those like that's like two very big plots like they're really on their own or like over they're like they could be like entire movies worth just separately Um, yeah you know um so it was it's kind of like neither of them had like the right room to breathe necessarily um because no offense to laurie but i thought the stuff with Corey was just like astronomically more interesting than whatever was going on with laurie in this movie um i liked the final showdown sort of but i also even yeah. thought that was kind of underwhelming um well um, i do like that like the movie is not afraid to make Corey the main focus no i really like that i thought it was we do yeah. we do get the lori stuff which feels kind of like oh like you need this to wrap up the trilogy but it's it's pretty brief in the whole uh scale of things and a lot of people are not happy about that but i think it's great like i think it's what makes this movie like pretty impressive for like the 12th halloween movie we've seen isn't it like, the 13th it is, i thought i was doing that is it the 13th day. i don't I, i'm not counting but yeah that, so that's probably halloween, two three four five six and then we have uh h2o and resurrection and then we have eight and nine rob zombie rob zombie two so rob zombies nine, so then those yeah. are the ten, the second rob zombie is the 10th and so then this was um the 13th this is 13 okay yeah so like we've seen a lot We've seen a whole lot of Michael Myers, a whole lot of Halloween up till now. And, you know, just like how Halloween three really went on out on a limb by not giving Michael Myers the, uh, the main role. This one also kind of goes out on a limb in this trilogy by not centering Lori and like the Lori versus Michael thing as the main focus of the story, which you would expect given that this is, Halloween ends. This is where everything is supposed to wrap up for the whole trilogy. Um, but it's, it's more interested in doing something original, which I think I have to give it credit for. Absolutely. I really like that. Um, it just, it was, I feel like the movie didn't necessarily balance the competing. Cause like the Corey stuff sort of wraps up with like 20 to 30 minutes still to go. Um, 
And then yeah. you're just left with Laurie and Michael. And I don't know the way the movie had been set up. Corey really should have been like the finale. Like, um, like he was the main character here. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously Laurie had to be the one who takes Michael out. Like that had to happen. Um, but like, it was weird that we like the Corey stuff finished and then we were just watching Laurie for the rest of the movie because Laurie's plot had been sort of secondary in a lot of ways. Like it wasn't like there was a lot of character development for her. Like um, it was just her waiting around for Michael to like show up so she could fight him. Um, yeah. Um, actually there, there is one thing that I think could, could have fixed all of that. Um, it might, it might've been a little, uh, little cheesy but could have uh could have really balanced things out at the end but i'll i'll loop back to that when we get to the ending of the movie um anyway so they kill they they kill this cop together um cory is starting to get into being like a michael myers acolyte here he's he's starting to to think like all right you know what i should just be out there killing all the people who are getting in my way and um it's interesting here because like, you know, his motivation does start out very different from Michael Myers. Uh, Michael is just sort of the, like the faceless killing machine. He's killing whatever he can get his hands on. Well, I, th- I think Corey's motivations stay very different from Michael's Corey. Corey is killing with like reason. Everybody he kills, he has a specific purpose behind. Yeah. All of his stuff is personal. Like people who he feels he's been wronged by or, and- or Allison has been wronged by. It's very important that there's yeah, yeah there uh, that, that is true. He kills true. on her behalf. Um because the the doctor and nurse are definitely him taking out vengeance on behalf of Allison. Um, right. Yeah. So that's that's one of the one of the most fun like kill scenes of the movie, I think, is when he sh- shows up at the doctor's house. So the doctor is like the shitty boss from Allison's work who didn't promote her instead promoted another nurse that it turns out he's sleeping with. And they're both like at his house for like a little soiree. I love that. He's like, he's telling like, they're coming back from a party to drink more and fuck. Yeah. That's the kind of soiree I like. Oh, you mean, mean. well, so to me, a soiree is a party with like a group of people. It's going to be a two-person soiree. Two-person soiree. I'm having a party. <laughs> a party for two. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. I'll take it. I like how he walks in the door and like tells Alexa to play like some 1970s song. Oh, my God. That was so <laughs> funny. I thought of you as soon as he did that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right. This is my vibe. He's got, the, he's got the pad. He's got the girl. He's got the 70s music going. I'm like, all right. This is pretty cool. They they end up getting attacked by both Corey and Michael who show up, which is just such a fun scene when you realize and, it's both of them. Oh, yeah, it's so good. And Corey is is wearing his little scarecrow mask that he wore for. Oh Halloween. yes, that's right. I forgot about the scarecrow mask, which I think is so great because it's like you know he he's making his own version of the Michael Myers legend. He's got his own personal mask. Um, he does also end up wearing the the sh- original Shatner mask as well. Yes, but he's got his own mask, which makes him like a fun. Well, he's like he's like the Robin here. Like we, we basically got a Batman and Robin situation going on here. The Batman and Robin of murder. You're right. No, yeah. and this is a pretty fun 
kill too because Michael once again like stabs somebody into the wall with a knife, leaves him hanging there. I do like the force of gravity, man. The force of gravity. <laughs> I don't. Hey, like that's a really strong knife, and Michael really drove it very hard into the wall. You're right. You're right. It's a big old and, butcher knife. And yeah, and the fact that there's two of them in the scene also allows for some surprises. Like, you know, they like they close the glass doors to keep Corey outside. He's like banging on the door, and then you get ambushed by Michael <clears throat> coming from the other side. Right. Uh, so you're really not safe when there's two of them. That must be the most like fucked up feeling in the world, living in Haddonfield, and like you're like, oh no, it's Michael Myers, and then you're like, but he's out there. Phew. And then there's Michael Myers in your house, and you're like, wait. <laughs> Why are there two of them? I imagine my last thoughts would be like, yeah, I guess I should have figured there were two of them. That's how he keeps getting around everywhere. (laughs) Of course. It's just like Santa Claus. It's just like Santa Claus. (laughs) Yeah, that that's a really fun kill. I really like that. Um good for, you know, fucking no, I don't know. Not good for Corey, but you know. Corey's out there living his dream. His dream of being a homicidal lunatic. Yeah. Hey, you know what? If the town said he was one, why not? Um, yeah, you may be this way. That's that's the real message here. What it's like, um, once upon a time, when she's like, "Oh, you want a you want an evil queen? I'll give you evil queen." <laughs> um, um, it's very is, it's very him leaning into that. Is not what I would have compared this to, but okay. Yeah. I, you know, like the uh, you know. No, I, that was just the first thing that came to mind, but there are other other examples of it. But just like the idea of like leaning into what the what they say you are. Um, um, mm-hmm. So, you know, of, unfortunately, if they all say you're a, a murderer, that's like the one time you should be like, you know what? I'm not going to lean into that. Um, so Corey fucked up. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's camp. It's camp. What are, what are it you is, do? This movie is definitely camp. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of it. Uh, and it's delicious. We uh there so he's he's becoming increase Corey's becoming increasingly unhinged during all of this, um, and uh eventually like Laurie's definitely picking up on it. Like there there's a the, a scene where his showing up to her house very much mirrors uh Michael Myers in the early scenes in Halloween the first one, uh where like she sees him like kind of slightly standing behind a fence and then he's suddenly not there yes. and then he appears behind her like that 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 is very they're directly drawing off of that language from the first film yes although um, she's like she's like i looked into his eyes and i knew and i'm like all right we need to not do this to people um <laughs> everybody's looking into each other's eyes here and they, they think they can see i everything. can't believe the the residents of haddonfield make eye contact i wouldn't um Oh, and it is like it does make you kind of question. Like, I mean, obviously, we know that Corey is a murderer, but it's like she's doing the same thing to him that like everybody else in town is doing to her. And like saying, like thinking that that uh, she knows his nature and knows like what he's up to. Um, everybody's mi- casting judgments really quickly in this movie. In this case, correctly, but. <laughs> She's uh she's definitely getting very bad vibes from him very quickly and eventually just like tells him to stay away from Allison 
and he he gives this very threatening statement that if he can't have Allison, no one will. Um, which is not something you want to hear coming from this guy. No, <laughs> no, no. Corey Corey fights Michael for the for the Halloween mask. It does like, happen. Yeah, that's when yeah. that's when things are starting to go down in the sewers. For, you know, for their for their little understanding. Yeah, and like this is this is a very interesting moment for a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, that it seems that the mask is indeed like a source of power to some extent, or at least Corey believes so. He needs he Michael needs certainly the believes so mask. too. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Michael is is very much downtrodden and uh, weaker after losing the mask. Um, and uh, I think probably he isn't up to f- to full strength at this point because he's just killed what like the policeman and the doctor and the girlfriend. He's only killed three. For Michael, that's like that's a slow Tuesday. It's like a, a so, very small breakfast. He he's still not up to full strength, so that's why he gets beat here. And um, but it's it's just a very interesting thing to see in a Halloween movie. Michael gets his mask taken away. And he's just sort of lying there in the dark, maskless. We don't really get to see his face here. Michael puts but... on Michael puts on some uh, some headphones, listens to existentialism on prom <laughs> night for a little bit. Um... That is that's very much the vibe here. Like he's just gonna he's gonna curl up. And he plays my immortal existentialism <laughs> on prom night. Just just cries a little bit. Um, poor Michael. He's not having a good time. No, um, bro. I'm straight up not having a good time right now. <laughs> Oh. Meanwhile, Corey's having the time of his life. He's out. I've had the time of my life. Corey would he's... actually perform that number at this point in the movie. He's like out there, like living his dream. Oh yeah, he's like he feels like he's been made prom king or something. He point. really does feel he's... that way. He goes out. He lures the the teenage bullies to the junkyard where he works, and systematically picks them off in some pretty gruesome ways. Um. Yeah, the, this the is when thi- it starts to become like really like, like Corey's like murder of like you know some some of the other kills have been like whatever like the doctor and nurse were like not good people the cop was not a good person the homeless person was an accident you know all of these people are like whatever now we're getting to this point and some of these kids are really nasty but like one of them is like legitimately like why are we being mean to this guy and like she's like not a bad person um, yeah. And so, like, but, when it gets to, like, time for her death, it's like, oh, fuck. And then it gets to his dad is there. Oof. <laughs> well, uh, the, he, he very he very pointedly does not kill uh, his boss from the, uh, the junkyard. Yeah. Um, I do think that that's interesting that, like, at, at this point, we're still not crossing the line. We're still killing people who are ostensibly guilty. Um that like the the boss at the junkyard who's like the one non-teenager who's there gets shot accidentally by the lead teenager because like you know he had to die but right it's not going to be by Corey's hand so that's kind of interesting we're still mostly like oh well these are all some shitty kids whatever at this point um and there's some there's some gruesome kills here someone gets set on fire um there is fire there's you know some 
There's a there's the the person who gets their head smashed under the gate. That's pretty yeah. upsetting. <laughs> Someone gets run over by a tow truck. Yes. Uh, some pretty cool kills here. But it's all it's the band kids. It's their time. Their time. They've been tormenting Corey all 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 movie. Their their time is up. Um that I mean, if there's one golden rule in a horror movie, if you're a bully, you're gonna get you're gonna get murdered. Um so they they fucked that up. So Yeah. Yeah. Don't if you're in the marching band, just go go play your fucking trombone. Don't Well, don't that's a whole other thing. How do they have time to run around just bullying people? They're in marching band. Uh, they um, should be practicing. Come on. It's obviously fall. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> don't you have like fucking football games to practice for or something? I don't know. What what are we doing here? What's happening? It's fucking what are we doing? Um so I don't know what they're doing, but they, they, uh, they get got and his, yep. his, uh, yeah, it sucks. Corey kills his mom. Yes. Uh, which like she wasn't great, but I don't know. Like this, this feels, I get once again, it's like, it, it's personal. He feels like he's been wronged by her. Um, right. She's been like very, controlling and weird the whole time well it's like at that point his stepdad died back in the junkyard he's got to go kill his mom <laughs> yeah like right. what are you gonna do like um, gotta complete the set at that point point. and it's um, also very reminiscent of like michael in some ways you know michael went after his family um right so um and again yeah it's, it is still personal you know like he didn't intentionally he didn't want his stepdad to die his stepdad was nice to him um um so that it's like very very pointed that that's you know you know whatever but like his mom was not particularly nice um although she always couched it in this like be nice to my son but she was like the ultimate stereo she was like um eddie's mom in fucking it um yeah yeah yeah, she's she's that like hovering mother who you can totally see her making up fake syndromes for her son to have um all the time um just like so so over oh god so overbearing um he really never stood a chance like this movie is like yeah i don't know about nature versus nurture but i'll tell you what Corey had both um yeah so he was getting neither worked in his favor in this direction case. um so you know it is what it is i guess um but then at that point the funniest, I mean, the weird, not funniest, but like the, the weirdest like death sequence Corey enacts is when he's like, I'm going to go kill this radio DJ. It's like <laughs> after he's killed his mom and he's like this radio DJ who I know doesn't like me. I've decided I'm going to go kill him. Yeah. Um, that's like the one that's like, really? Like this is the guy you're going after? Um, well, he's scraping the ball of the barrel for personal kills at this point. You know, he's been, he's the radio DJ has been kind of talking shit about him on the radio a little. And also you know, sensationalizing the Michael Myers murders. But I think the main reason is just that the radio DJ told him to go away when he and Allison were hanging out at the radio building. Yes. Oh yeah. When they're like hanging out on like the roof, whatever. It's just like, it's totally petty, (laughs) but he, he comes in like during a broadcast, he first kills the receptionist who is played by, Diana Prince yes. from Joe Bob's Last Drive-In. That's true. Which great cameo here. Yeah, very fun. 
love love the uh the the support for joe bob and the the drive last driving um and then he goes in and kills the dj and he like he cuts off his tongue and drops it down on the on the record that's playing on the radio oh my god and the record starts like the the needle starts skipping over the tongue and jumping (laughs) around the record and everybody listening to the radio is like what what's going on this is like a really goofy moment um i also like this is a good time to call out the uh the music in this movie which is really good um it's got it's first of all like the score is really good um it doesn't really use the main halloween theme until so towards strange. the end yeah um but it's got like that that classic like carpenter score yes uh of its own which is really nice and then when the when the main theme comes in it's awesome but also there's a lot of really good uh like just soundtrack songs in here um a lot of it coming from the radio that this radio dj likes to play like old halloween music from like the sixties and which is such a vibe and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like I, I love that, that those kind of like goofy old, like Halloween rock kind of songs. Um, really fun. This is a very good soundtrack. I was, I was listening to this on the way back from the movie. That was how I was like, I got to go hear this right away. Nice. Uh, so yeah, kills the DJ. <laughs> and then he, uh, tries to go kill Laurie strode yes this is yeah when things go very downhill for Corey. um this is a very strange scene he's like gonna go i don't really understand he's gonna go kill court or Lori. Lori's upstairs in her room writing her memoir which we've seen her doing like throughout the movie um right um um and then she places a call to police to say, I'd like to report a suicide, um, which is very dramatic. And of course we very quickly find out that's like a ploy. Um, yeah. But like in the context of her, her pretense here, it's um, that uh, she's been fighting a lot with Allison and Allison is, is intending to leave town with Corey and run off together. Well, they're in um, love. She's in love with the murderer that she met two days ago. <laughs> yeah. So she's going to um, run away. And Lori's like, no, don't. Um, and she's also upset because everybody in town blames her for these murders that happened, which is a ridiculous reality she has to live with. And apparently she doesn't go see a therapist. It's very unclear about what's going on with that. Um, if there's anybody in the entire world who needs to see a therapist, like, all the time, Lori Strode. Um, so... She's like, I'm going to kill myself. Um, but it's like, I was very unclear on like why she needed to like place that call and do that. Cause it wasn't like court. Like what, what, what did that do for Corey? What? Like <laughs> Corey, Corey is not the police. Corey is not the dispatcher at nine, nine one one. Like well, I think she knew he was in the house. Um, was she hoping he'd hear? Yeah, I think so. Cause that, it doesn't really make, she like, well, I think mutters and, and, it into the phone. Like, and also, also she did want the cops to come because that makes more sense. But then when she answers that, so she opens the door to find Corey standing out there. And we don't know at this point if it's Corey or Michael, really. I mean, it's like, you know, it's somebody in this, somebody outfit. wearing the mask. And she's like, did you really think I'd kill myself? 
And I'm like, well, I don't know how he was supposed to know like that you had made this like call. Like he was standing outside and you made a phone call, Lori. Well, she, she also shot the pumpkin, which exploded. And it kind of looked like it might be guts, but not really. Yeah. But like, what? <laughs> like, why would you think that? It's just like a very strange plan. I don't know what her, her thinking was here. Um, but of course, Corey is not as skilled as Michael. So um, he does, you know, they, they have their little thing. <laughs> yeah. So they fight. She shoots him and he ends up slicing his own throat. Yes, that is what happens. And his plan is clearly to to frame Lori for killing him so that he can drive Allison away from her. His, which is really the like the furthest level of the if I can't have her, no one can. Well, thing he says that, that exact sentence too. He says have. he says if I can't have her, no one can. Yeah, who's <laughs> like um, you're literally willing to kill yourself to make sure that that happens? Like, wow, okay, that's pretty. That's pretty nuts. But Corey's so I guess really off the reservation at this Corey, point. Yeah, Corey's off his rocker. If you if you put yourself in Corey's shoes, which is kind of hard to do, um. Corey has just killed a bunch of people who he has known beef with in, in the, in the town of Haddonfield. I mean, he's going to be linked to these. (laughs) Um, So he's probably thinking, well, at this point, if Allison's not going to be with me and all of these murders I did are going to be obviously traced back to me. Well, (laughs) well, not a lot else left for me. So yeah, might as well fuck stuff up for someone else. Right. And go out so I don't have to, like, deal with jail in a trial. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of get what his uh, thinking was. Um, not to say that I understand the, the inner workings of a murderer. But, uh, you know, it's like, what what the fuck else is he going to... Because he's not like Michael, where he just wants to kill just for killing's sake. Like, at this point, if he's not going to get Lori... Yeah. It's like, like if he's not going to be able to kill her, it's like, that's really the last person on his list. So, like, what other way can he take her down, right? Um yeah, that's so. true. I mean, he he doesn't he doesn't really want to be Michael Myers. He likes the Michael Myers power and the murdering and the anonymity and stuff like he that. He comes close to wanting to be Michael Myers when he kills the receptionist and the DJ. Yeah. I will say. The receptionist especially. <laughs> she was literally just there. She's just hanging out. I mean, she didn't need to die. Um <laughs> but Michael was like, "Yeah, you got to go. Sorry." Um uh yeah so uh after allison sees this and clearly like you know shows up with Lori with the knife in her hands and covered in blood and all that okay also like his plan really hinged on allison coming in at the wrong time i mean like (laughs) if allison hadn't been coming home right then this like would not have worked in the same way well they were they were supposed to meet at that time but like if she'd been like a bit later could have even been a minute later like if lori had had time to put the knife down and like (laughs) call call police like it all could have been different Um, yeah but yeah she shows up and she's blaming lori and then also michael shows up yes and he he finishes Corey off he's very much not happy about having his mask taken he takes the mask back um What's crazy um, is that Corey was still alive in the first place for Michael to finish off. Maybe Corey didn't intend on dying all the way. Maybe he was just like, 
oh, I'll mostly kill myself, and then Lori will be blamed. And if you then stab I'll yourself in the neck, you're taking a big risk that you're not going to yeah. hit something that... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that he's thinking everything through that well. Uh, anyway, yeah, he he gets pretty. I watched a movie recently where somebody cut themselves in the neck, but they missed the artery. That was like a plot point, and I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, <laughs> they like sliced their throat open, and then they were like, "Oh, is, you missed the artery." And I was if like, you're cutting around there, it's pretty hard not to hit an artery, right? <laughs> Um, so yeah, so then we finally get the big Lori versus Michael showdown here, and um, big might be a strong word. Well, you know, it's brief, but it's intense. You know, they're fighting in the kitchen, the big one is still in Halloween 2018. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, that's that's the one we've all been waiting for because you know, the hideout and all the crazy gadgets and stuff. This is much more personal. This is like just like them bashing around the kitchen and stuff. We do get some similar like hiding in closet type stuff to the to the first to the original movie. Um, we get a pretty nerve wracking scene where it seems like Michael's about to jam her hand into the garbage disposal. It's a very classic horror moment there. Crazy because I don't know uh, why Michael knows what a garbage disposal is. I think he he knows that it it hurts things that he knows anything that can hurt someone he knows about that's but he hasn't he's never he, seen one he went into jail like like he got he had garbage disposals in the seventies he right? was like eight years old when he went into a facility I'm sure he knows what a garbage disposal is come on <laughs> but. But in 1978, that's the first movie, and he actually committed his first murder years before the first movie. Like, because remember, he was a kid, and then he has time to grow yeah. up. Yeah, like like uh, like 12 years ago. Yeah, like so that. it's got to be like 60s. the 60s, and sure, he All might right. have had one, but what would he know at that age? What does he know about this? <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> it's like knowing how to drive. Like garbage disposal was invented in 1927. Yeah, but why would he? I didn't know what the fuck a garbage disposal was at the age of eight. I definitely did, Matt. Like you, <laughs> that is one of those things that your parents tell you not to fuck with in the kitchen. You had one. I didn't have a fucking garbage disposal. All right. Well, yes, we did have a garbage disposal. I've is owned that... one exactly one year of my entire life. Okay. Well, I'm sure they don't have them in New York. Is I. Uh... I'm surprised they have running water up there. Okay, I've lived in New York uh, for five years, and I'm over thirty. So, the first twenty some years of my life, I also didn't have one. I okay. I this is like this has got to be a strange set of circumstances because I don't think I've ever lived someone that somewhere that didn't have a garbage. I had one in one apartment. Aside one apartment from like the dorms that didn't have a kitchen, I no, think one apartment my, in college had one, and that's it. Okay, well, this is strange. Anyway. And that was for one this, year. <laughs> this has been buzzed on garbage disposals. Um, but or buzzed by garbage disposals. Okay, well, as not quite buzzed by garbage disposals. Yeah, almost, almost buzzed, buzzed by, by garbage disposals. She pulls her hand out at, at the right time. Um, which, like, I couldn't even really tell <laughs> if she lost any fingers or not. It wasn't until later in the scene. I was like, oh, no, her hand's fine. But... <laughs> 
I think she would have done a lot more. Uh, the The reaction would have been bigger. She was screaming quite a bit, she but was, I guess yeah. yeah, it would have been much worse. Um, but yeah, she eventually manages to pin Michael down on the table with the knife. Like she like stabs him in both hands, like stigmata, nails yes. him to the island in the kitchen. <laughs> um like it pulls the mask off of him that does happen which uh like i i do i it's very interesting in this movie how how much unmasked michael we get this is probably the most we ever get to see of michael Myers i don't think that's face. a probably that's a that's a definitely that is a well aside from like the rob zombie halloween 2 where you get to see like part of his face yeah well the rob zombie ones are a different canon altogether yeah absolutely absolutely but um it's definitely Rob interesting how... we see his full face as like a teen and stuff, you know, like she wants to look like directly at his face, which in context is kind of interesting because it's not like she doesn't know what he looks like. Like he's been to jail. They didn't let him wear the mask in jail. I'm sure he's got mug shots out there in the in the world of the story. Everyone's seen Michael Myers's face. Right. We would but, assume. Right. But there is an element to being able to actually like look him straight in the eye without the mask there also he loses power when his mask is off so. yeah yeah you, you get like getting to actually see him there vulnerable like finally not the hunter anymore laurie knows this you know yeah so um there's and, and there's many moments here where it seems like michael's still like gonna break out there are yeah. uh he's like he, he still manages to like choke her even with his pinned hand by like ripping it out um but allison does show up and helps just completely murder michael myers here like yeah just stabs him to shreds basically uh so that you're convinced that there's absolutely no way he could be dead and still when the cops show up everybody is like oh we're not leaving this here <laughs> like, we're not taking him <laughs> to the station or anything and they have like a procession to the junkyard and they shred him to pieces in the car crushing thing <laughs> i mean michael gets gets got he gets cubed here he gets like he he's ground beef by the end of this yeah there's not a single bit of him left it's interesting the movie like it's like we're leaving no no room for interpretation um it's like saw five um, when he gets smashed in the walls, um, <laughs> there's just like zero chance that you survive this, you know, like there's no way your body people, is, is gone. <laughs> people are still talking about like, is there a way that character could come back? And, like, <laughs> like, like, have you seen what his body looks like at the end of that? There's like, I know that it's saw and we've brought a lot of people back, but I'm pretty sure he's not coming back. I mean, um, in fairness, Halloween as a franchise once chopped off Michael Myers' head and then said, actually, Laurie had chopped off the wrong person's head. <laughs> yep. Yep. So so who knows what could happen? This they, and, It could actually turn out that they threw Corey's body into the grinder by the start of the next yeah. movie and Michael's back. Um, could be. Uh, and I also think there's an element here where it's like, even if Michael Myers, the person is dead, like the idea has not died. Yeah. So one thing and that we saw in this is that Michael can that. transmit evil via eye contact. So all we need is like to know that he did that to somebody else and then he's back, you know? Yeah. Um, 
or yeah, or the cult of thorn returns and they resurrect yeah. him um, yeah i'm still waiting for the cult of thorn to come back uh, was hoping that we we might get an appearance this time but no but we still got a chance it could be a later installment um one thing that i thought would be kind of cool and this might come off like really cheesy but this was the like so we get the ending with like Michael Myers getting ground up and everything. Uh, but at some point, either before they go there or after when they go look for Corey's body, he's just gone. Yeah. Very much like Michael Myers in the first movie where they think he's dead. And then he's, he's just disappeared. It's just a stain on the ground. Um, and then, so yeah. So maybe Corey's the new killer. He's the new Michael Myers. Right. Right. That's a possibility. I don't know if that would work. Like it's just an idea. But it is it is kind of strange that we we leave off like that Corey's whole thread gets resolved earlier and and that we don't really get anything from him in the last like 30 minutes of this movie. Yeah, it's, it's weird cuz the movie clearly made I mean, I don't know how much of it is like a certain degree of like studio pressure to make like the ending be about Laurie. Um you know, I feel like there's some element of that probably. Um, but like, cause you know, that's, that was the expectation for this movie, but it did feel like the movie was setting you up for like Corey to be like the main character. And then Corey is just gone. Um, like a kind of a strange narrative jar. Um, it was just like, Oh, we're now suddenly doing this again. Um, not that I disliked the Lori fight. It was fun, but it was also weirdly like elegiac. Like I was like, what are we like? It's like somber and strange. Like this whole fight. Um, it's not like, like the Halloween 2018 fight, which was like thrilling and like knockdown brutal. This one was like, I mean, it was upsetting and, and violent, but it was like, it was the tone was so different. Um, just a very different, different set of circumstances, I guess. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. So, I like overall I I really liked this movie. I thought it was like surprising. I liked that it went to new places. Um and then wasn't just a rehash of the last two movies in this trilogy. Um Well, none of and, these movies have been rehashes of one another. We can all say that. These movies have all been very different and very odd. Um Yeah. You know, just to th- just think about the first movie. We had podcasters as main characters. <laughs> <sighs> they got the shit end of that stick. Um, they deserved it. <laughs> well, Death those podcasters, podcasters did. Those were like <laughs> the worst sort of true crime podcasters. Um, fucking let's go visit Michael and see if we can give him his mask back. Okay, fucking weirdos. Um, yeah, that's that is pretty fucked up the mask having power goes all the way back to that first one really um yeah because they t- they give it to him and then he's like you know what i should do murder again it's time to kill again um why um <laughs> yeah so yeah i liked it too though i thought it was pretty good um again i wish some of the like the narrative threads had been woven together better to like make a more coherent tone and story um just like I don't think the balance between the Corey and Laurie stuff was totally there, um, but I did I did think it was overall good. I really really appreciate that the movie was like it was taking big swings. These were like the movie did not have to be weird and out there, but it was, um, and I appreciate that. Um, that the yeah 
the story could have been a very straightforward slasher about Laurie just trying to survive another night with Michael and ultimately taking him down. And it wasn't that. And I thought that was pretty admirable. Um, Although it appears that's what everyone wants. So what do I fucking know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people are very disappointed in this and they're like, well, I came here to see Michael Myers. Like, well, you got Michael Myers. Fucking, you know, and I don't complain about this much, but the fucking Marvel evocation of fucking movies, like everybody just wants (laughs) to see like certain characters do the same things over and over and over again. The big showdown and like stuff like that. Like what? That, That wouldn't have necessarily made for a better movie if you're just disappointed because you didn't see what you expected to see going in, then you don't even want to watch a movie. You just want to read a Wikipedia summary. Like, right. I could, I could write you a paragraph where, uh, Laurie Strode and Michael Myers just fight for two hours. And that would be more satisfying to some of these people. Somehow. The thing is we got (laughs) a movie that was just the Laurie Michael fight. That was Halloween 2018. Like the entire second half of that movie is just that. And like, why do we need to see that again? We've also seen that in Halloween 1978. We've seen that in H2O Resurrection. We've seen that in really Halloween 2. Like, I don't need to yeah. see it in fucking every movie again. Like, I get it. But, like, we don't need to see it every single time. It's, like, certain... It's just, like, the weird... Fandom is weird. And fandom... It's weird that there's, like, fandoms for a fucking serial killer movie. Where they're, like, <laughs> we need to see certain things. And it's, like can we grow up? Like, I don't know. Yeah. What, you know, um, I mean, fandom has always been a toxic thing, but it just seems to it's get because they're on worse and worse every year. The online element of it yeah. just seems to really and dial have- everything down to the point that if it's not exactly what you expect, that it's bad. And they seem to have, there seems, I think, I think the online fandom seems to have an outsized impact on certain things. Like, like if you think about like the DCEU, the the amount of impact the certain segments of the online fandom can have on oh a God. film series is insane. Because <laughs> your average person is like, "What the fuck are we talking about?" Um, like, but like the the film, the online Twitter user fan base for these movies just like has somehow such an outsized impact. Um, it's it's ridiculous. Um, I'm glad that this movie didn't fall into that trap. It very easily yeah. could have. Um. And it didn't. And, you know, people are mad about it now, but I think that the movie works so much better because it didn't do that. I think it's going to age pretty well, too. And I think we'll look back on this trilogy of movies as being one that actually, you know, took some chances, did something different where we could have just had three movies of rehashing 1978 over again. Right. We already had an entire franchise of just rehashing 1978 over and over and over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, um, Other than season of the witch and, you know, fucking, I don't know. Other than season of the witch, they all sort of just did that really until the Rob Zombie ones. So yeah. Until the Rob Zombie ones. Um, I do think also um, this movie kind of knows that it's, going out there um particularly i think the best sign of this and people have been pointing this out online uh that the uh the font in the opening credits matches the font they used for halloween 3 right yeah (laughs) in the credits it's it's like that that blocky italics font right uh with like the slightly bluish white letters um 
we also get a pretty good pumpkin open for this. Oh, movie. the pumpkins are pretty good. The pumpkin and pumpkin and pu- the the the, yeah. the Russian doll pumpkins. Yeah, um, there's like different kinds of pumpkins splitting out of the previous pumpkin as they get closer and closer to the screen. I think I think this movie did know. Yeah, I really like those pumpkins. The movie definitely knew it was weird, and I like the the font homage to Halloween three. I liked that there was like a, a more electronic based score in some parts of this movie. So there were like there was some uh. That's also sort of in its own way a nod to Halloween 3, um, which had a very electronic score. <laughs> so we'll all remember <laughs> that very <laughs> score. Um, and I will never repeat that sound. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what the score of Halloween 3 Season of the Witch sounds like. All right. Um, all right. <laughs> I listen to that one song from it all the time. And it's like very, um, it sounds like laser beams. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I feel like this movie, it knew that it was weird, and I appreciate that it was weird. Um, I just feel like the Laurie stuff sort of hamstrung it from being as weird as it could have been. But, you know, I understand why they had to do it. Um, that's okay. If there's if there's a future, you know, they could be real weird. We can get the Cult of Thorn in there. Yeah. I mean, who knows what they're going to do next? Like, this is, this trilogy was really kind of what we were promised, so... Uh, who knows if they make another one but you know also it's halloween they're gonna do something with this down the line at some point i mm. feel like it'll be a, a they'll do it later and it'll be a totally different continuity but we'll see. likely so likely so um yeah so overall pretty pleased with that one i felt like that was a great thing to add to my halloween experience this year um so let's get into Curse of Bridge Hollow. Oh. <laughs> uh, this, <laughs> this is a totally different kind of movie from from Halloween Ends. Uh, this is much more in the realm of the family friendly Halloween film, which is something that we promised to talk about in the last episode <laughs> after covering some pretty extreme films. So we're glad to be here. We're glad to be talking about a film that has the, the Halloween vibes without necessarily all the same over-the-top violence. Yes. You know what? I don't know how much time we're going to spend on this. What, um, <laughs> one thing that I thought was interesting in this movie, so this movie is a very family-friendly movie. Um, it takes the very basic plot of like family moves from Brooklyn, shout out, to a small town um and first of all okay i love that the small town like goes all out for halloween like um and and uh what's his name marlon wayans is like what's going on why are we into halloween and i'm like all right um like it's the it's the classic uh small town new england town in a halloween movie that inexplicably spends like all of its gdp on halloween parties yes um so i love it um i love that that's the vibe um that's weirdly there's so many weird things in this movie there's like a lot of like weirdly like vaguely conservative messaging going on in this movie like about like like it's like weirdly anti-vegan food for some reason um yeah i like and it's like (laughs) and they're like i decided life is short so let's eat gluten and i'm like i don't really think that's like how that works um, I do. I love like, that the the mom's big evolution at the end is that she's just going to stop baking vegan things because nobody it's Kelly Rowland. It's fully a member yeah, of it Destiny's is Kelly Child. Rowland. 
We have an actual member of Destiny's yeah. Child in this movie. Um, she's the, a like, horror cast... legend, Freddy versus Jason. Um, oh yeah, uh, there's the cast in this movie is actually pretty crazy. Okay, so let, let, let's let's give some background here. So first of all, directed by Jeff Wadlow. Yeah, um, that's why we're there. covering it. That's why we're he's, doing it. He's directed some great material for this podcast in the past. You know, he made um, Truth or Dare. He made Blumhouse Fantasy Island. Oh, uh, he did Cry Wolf. Wasn't that him? Didn't he do Cry, Cry Wolf? Wolf? Yeah, Cry Wolf, Kick-Ass 2. You know, he, he he's he's a regular. He, he, he I don't know what to talk, say about his style. Uh, God, he did Never Back Down. He, oh my god. It's pretty interesting. Um, He's going to do that Magic 8-Ball movie whenever that officially actually happens. I, I'm so excited for that. I am I am there day one opening Ab- that. Absolutely, absolutely. Red um, carpet opening, if there is one. Um, this this one is is interesting for him. I feel like, you know, we, we, we don't really see his signature style on display here as much. Maybe in, his, in some of the interactions. His but... signature style. What would you consider the Jeff Wadlow <laughs> signature style? <laughs> Just like that that kind of horror where stuff happens and you're like, what? <laughs> uh, there was actually a lot of things happening. Maybe maybe, said, maybe we can point out a couple scenes like that. where, um, Like every yeah, but scene. Anyway. Like, like the mysterious principal who worships Satan and just had like a bunch of like shit in his house. Where it's like, yeah, okay. I could, I can do this. I can do this that, worshiping stuff. That's a Wadlow um, moment. All right. Um. So yeah. So Marlon Wayans is the lead in this. Um. We've also also got Priya Ferguson from Stranger Things fame. Kelly Rowland. Uh, Lauren oh, she's Lapkus. in Stranger Things. I haven't seen anything other than the first season of that, so I guess she. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She shows up in I think season three. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. She's she's had like kind of a breakout on there, so it's nice to see her taking like a lead ro- role in this movie. Right. Um, she kind of plays against her Stranger Things type in this one because in Stranger Things she's like kind of the skeptic who's like, "What are you guys doing?" messing around with monsters and all that uh but in this one she's the one who's really into the supernatural gotcha um, i mean yes i knew she was in this one into supernatural but i didn't know yeah. that was her stranger things uh we've got lauren lapkus rob riggle nia vardalos oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, like what <laughs> yeah it is interesting it is interesting well it's a netflix movie so netflix can bring in the cast um they can yeah I mean, um, it's an it, interesting, it, it's just so, everything about this movie is weird because, first of all, it's Jeff Wadlow. Jeff Wadlow, I don't think of, even when he's not doing horror, as a particularly family-friendly filmmaker. Yes, that that is that is what's most interesting to me about this, is that usually he goes into like either hard horror even if it's a little goofy or you know like kick-ass 2 which is like a pretty violent like right teenager it's, to adult young adult movie. yeah it's not something for the whole family that's for sure um it's interesting that this movie is really marketed towards entire families and really works for entire families although i think there are scenes that are a bit much like some of these clowns are upsetting um 
They are upsetting, but uh, they are also just animatronics. So they're not like they're just creepy looking. They're not uh, like real murderous clowns. Or I think there's an element there where it's like the, the monsters are less upsetting because they're animatronics. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know we'll that that would have helped that. as a kid. Like, I think as an adult, <laughs> I think that like works for me. But like as a kid, I don't think that would have mattered. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Like the, the, the shot where like they're going through. The, there's like a scene where they're like running through the the high school's like haunted maze or whatever um and they're like and the clowns are chasing them and they get to the end and one of them walks towards him and it's dragging an axe along the ground <laughs> and you can hear the axe scraping and i'm like in what world would i as an 11 year old have been like yeah this is not scary like <laughs> well you're supposed to find it scary you're just supposed to find it like but i think i'm supposed to know, find it not like, too scary i think for... this, the way this movie was marketed that is that i would find it as like hocus pocus style scary where it's like it's not going to keep me up at night but i'm going to be like, yeah whoa but that would have kept me up at night <laughs> it's a it's a little scarier than hocus pocus but yeah it's got similar vibes in that it's just like halloween fun you know um it's got the whole town doing the halloween party You've got just nice looking sets and locations dressed out for Halloween. Um, one thing that struck me as I was watching this is this is kind of like if you made a Hallmark Christmas movie, but for Halloween. Okay, so those already <laughs> exist. Amazon keeps suggesting them to me, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> They've been making this out, but this is like... There's like is, one guess, called like the Pumpkin Pie Wars or something, and it's like about like a, a warring families who try to win the pumpkin pie contest in their town every year and <laughs> and members ridiculous. on each side of a, a guy and a girl from one from each family they fall in love and they have to keep it secret because they're from different families of um, course yeah. of course um it's romeo and juliet but about pumpkin pie yeah sort of <laughs> um so uh, right, maybe maybe we'll be talking about that yeah i think point. it leaves prime uh, this month so like on halloween so watch it soon uh, oh no oh we gotta we gotta get that in there um this is like that, but also a horror movie. Um, like it's uh, there, there's baking involved. There is <laughs> always got There's always got to be baking somehow. I love when like they're moving from Brooklyn, and like the um, the dad has is a science teacher, and he's got a new job lined up as a science teacher in this town. The wife is like a high powered lawyer, and she's just like, oh, maybe I'll open a bakery. <laughs> She's like she's just like completely dropped being a lawyer. And she's like everybody and like loves my vegan treats up there, and then she makes these vegan treats, and they're like hard as a rock every time somebody tries to eat them. And it's like, first of all, that's not like you're from Brooklyn, like you know how to cook vegan stuff because it's everywhere here. Like it doesn't have yeah. to be hard as a rock. What are you doing? I'm pretty sure if you made bad vegan baking in Brooklyn, you would not survive. No, like, because th you there's can get... so many good examples of it. Yes. There. Like I like, I probably get vegan baked goods from coffee shops more than I get non-vegan baked goods from coffee shops. Mm. Like just because of what's available. Like, so like, what are you talking about? Um, that very strange. Very and the movie is like very anti her vegan bacon. The movie itself like is fundamentally opposed to her vegan bacon. I love how like she has almost no role in this movie at all like she's never around for any like the scary bits well that's yet another reason there's like a certain conservative bent to this movie i'm telling you there's a conservative ide ideology undercurrent to this movie 
and it also includes when the the satanic principal at the end says i've decided to go to the other side and puts on a halo <laughs> that was so weird because like, he wasn't even really like like a hardcore satanist no he was and just also, like kind of interested in um, stuff and had like some and spells are what ultimately saved them from the evil so i don't that know why true. the fuck you think you need to then go to the side that's away from witchcraft and spells like it didn't actually they're, even make sense. They're saved from a spell that comes from like an old school 1930s, like esoteric magician who's who they summon during a seance and possesses the dad's body. I'm like, okay, so we're using like old school magic with a K here. And yet we're going to be like, Oh no, Satan. Thank you. At the right. end. <laughs> it like, it's just very weird because like Satan really didn't have anything to do with the evil that caused any of this. And if anything, the people who would have like been more in tune with Satan are the reason you got out of the mess. So yeah. I don't really know what we're doing. Um, but anyway, yeah. So like, it, I just found it funny that like the wife's whole role in this was just like, while all the scary stuff was happening, they just kept cutting back to her, like trying to serve vegan treats to the townspeople and then being like, Oh, no, this is great. Let me just give this back to you. <laughs> oh, so silly. So silly. Uh, so the, the basic plot of this, lest we lose people too entirely, is like, you know, they, they show up at this town after moving away from Brooklyn. It's like they move here like on Halloween. <laughs> it's a ridiculous like a time to move. Crazy time to show up, especially in this town where everyone has decorated their houses like very fully for halloween and apparently this family did not do their research on the town like they did not yeah they didn't know that this is like the craziest halloween town in america and everyone has like a full display with multiple figures and stuff in their front yard um and so like the house that they move into belonged to like some old magician from the 30s like a like not like a stage magician but like somebody like a like a fortune teller type person um who did seances and stuff and they uh like she the the daughter uh sydney is like very into the supernatural and she meets the the local weirdo teens who are very into the supernatural as well and they're like telling her all about the house and she goes poking around up in the attic and she finds this like little jack-o'-lantern thing which i don't know what it's made out of but uh, it's, it's a turnip it's clean. isn't that what is she, it really an old turnip isn't that what she says and then the colors are like white and purple but how is the turnip like 80 years old it's magic like, how, what are you talking about okay, okay all right all right so she finds like a carved turnip jack-o'-lantern up in the attic and then ends up lighting it and that ends up like releasing the spirit of Stingy Jack. Like you do. And, like you do. Yeah. Stingy Jack is one of the the original legends of Halloween, which is of like a, a spirit who was kind of a trickster guy who tried to trick the devil and the devil ended up cursing him and he's trying to steal somebody's soul so that he can escape. Um, yeah, I, I should have a better understanding of this. But I don't. Well, that's what, that's what the, in the plot of the movie is basically like that. He's yeah. trying to find somebody whose soul he can swap to, so that he doesn't have to spend his time in hell. 
Yeah, um, and he can only he can only be around on Halloween and while his jack lantern is lit. And until and he has to and if he if he doesn't get put back in the jack o' lantern before midnight, then somehow he can take over the world. That part's yeah. unclear to me. I don't know how world domination was coming into the mix, but they did say. Yeah, he would take I don't. Over I don't world. know what what the what the stakes are of him taking over the world. Um, but they literally use the phrase "taking over the world." So, <laughs> um, we we find out that he was trapped in this jack o' lantern by the the magician who used to live in the house during like some sort of esoteric ritual where they accidentally summoned him and he tried to steal their souls and they. They locked him in a turnip. Yeah, they locked him in there, and he's like, by being in there, he's also banished to hell. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Anyway, it's you know he's like the spirit of Halloween, and when when they let him out, he starts just like possessing all of the Halloween decorations and bringing them to life. And then, so it's basically all these different kinds of Halloween decorations. It's interesting because, like, by when he was first put away, I don't think Halloween decorations were a thing. So I don't really know how he, like, had this, like, plan in store. Where it's just, like, if I get let out, I will possess the decorations. Yeah, they definitely didn't have, like, full-figured animatronics that people put in their front yards back then. Right. Um, They... I love that there's a scene in this movie where Sydney is trying to talk to the ghost in the house and she uses a Ouija board app on an iPad. Oh my God. That was so funny. I didn't even realize it, it was an no app at first. Sense. I was like, that doesn't, this cannot be real. I cannot be watching this right now. Um, <laughs> So like, how does that make any sense? Because the ghost, the ghost can't even like move the planchette. You'd have to move your hand on the, ipad which is what she's doing and she's like oh it says hello like you're just moving your hand what are you doing it's so silly it is so silly <laughs> and even her dad like calls her out for that it's like how, how like a ouija board doesn't even work but especially on an ipad like what right <sighs> but somehow um, it did work so what are we doing um yeah somehow she was actually talking with the ghost there um marla wayans is really funny in this um it's great to see him doing spooky stuff again. Yeah, it was getting fun. like some scary movie vibes here. Um, yeah, he was really good. Um, I liked him. I thought he was funny. Priya Ferguson was good too. She was very intense. She was. Marlon Wayans was doing the like. I'm the guy who like he literally says there must be a rational explanation for this at one point, and I was like cringe. Like we're yeah. we're saying that out loud. That's his whole thing. That like he's like very into science, and he's like, "There's a rational explanation for everything," and that like he has kind of like a clash with his daughter over that. Like he's been like forcing her into science club and stuff like that, but really she's interested in like supernatural type stuff, and they clash over that. Um, but that that's also where I thought this guy kind of like hallmarky. It's like he has to like believe in the spirit of Halloween. And it's like, oh, the only way that that can happen is that he goes to a small New England town and finds out about the true meaning of Halloween. Yeah, he did. No, he had to. He had to find out about the true meaning of Halloween. It is very much the hallmark believe in the spirit of Christmas. Um, Oh, my God. It's like that Josh Groban song from the Polar Express. Believe. Um, (laughs) If you just believe. 
Um, and there, there's a bit at the end where he's like, he's saying the spell to banish Stingy Jack. The part where it's essentially like, um, Halloween Town Calabar's movie theater where there's like a, a, a vortex <laughs> in the air. Like, there's definitely a lot of crossover with Halloween Town here. Um, and, and and like she says to him, like, like you have to mean it. You have to believe in it. And then he says it, he says it like he's been saying it in Latin. Then he says it in English, like with full force. It's interesting that ha- saying it in English is how it worked for him. Um, I, I don't, I don't get that part, but I think it signifies that he's not just saying words that he like understands it. That he's, right. I think probably like, from a practical standpoint, they were just like the audience will re- react better to hearing him say it in English here. That too. Um, that too. <laughs> but I think on a, on a, like a thematic level, it's like, Oh, he has to say it in his own language. Um, Mm-hmm. which makes sense. Um, <clears throat> yes, there is a lot of Halloween town here. I also couldn't help while I was watching it. That is interesting that this came out as the same year as the spirit Halloween movie, which appears to have a generally similar concept of just like the things in the spirit Halloween store. <laughs> are coming yeah. After. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, as I was watching this, I was like, you know, like you could just tell me that this was the spirit Halloween movie. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it definitely has it's that in, vibe. It's in that, that, be somewhat time honored tradition now of Halloween movies that are just like, let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Um, you know, just like every possible concept, you know, um, yeah, we do two monsters they... unleashed vibes, um, spirit Halloween vibes, the goosebumps movie vibes. Um, you know, yeah. Once they start bringing the decorations to life, it's like, Oh, we can do basically anything now. You know, they got witches, they got zombies, you got like skeleton base uh, football players. That was a particularly <laughs> fun moment. Um, although like there were just like so many skeleton football players. Um, there were way more than you would actually have in anyone's front yard. And like on the they, field, like why would you have a setup that was a skeleton football game with that many players? Um, it doesn't make sense. And they were all but in the anyway, same they, color. So if they were one team, they definitely would have been, that's a penalty. So we need to like step back here. <laughs> he, he should have called a penalty. I, well, I was thinking it while I was watching it, I was like, come on, throw a yellow flag down. Let's make the joke. Let's do it. Um, well, they did provide a good endless stream of bo- bodies for Marlon Wayans to carve to go full ash. He got to, yeah. he got to go full ash. So that was one of the scenes that I thought showed some of Jeff Wadlow's like horror roots because he's like, Marlon Wayans is like taking this chainsaw to them. And he's like, He's like sawing these things. And like it's yeah, kind like, of like if they weren't like plastic skeletons, it's like kind of grisly. Like there's a part where he like slices this skeleton up the middle and I was like, "Oh my god, Art the Clown, Art the Clown, Art the Clown, Art the Clown." <laughs> um it was so upsetting. Um Maybe that's where we have kind of like a a fantasy island vibe here where it's like the the horror is somewhat more family friendly because there's like an implication that oh the things that they're killing aren't real like they're just you know they're fantasies on fantasy island and here they're just they're animatronics or figures brought to life right um and i mean some of it like some of the the stuff is like goofy like like the three witches that are flying around like that's not scary um (laughs) that's just very silly the spider scene that's not scary well maybe if you're like not a spider person um but like to me, that spider scene was like whatever, or like the Grim Reaper animatronic, like whatever. Um, but then you have like the clowns. That's like pretty upsetting. The clowns are pretty upsetting. I, and like I, the the, we, the way he killed all the skeletons is like pretty like 
it shows Jeff Wadlow has watched some like some more vicious horror out there. Yeah, um, I do love when he's carving up the skeletons. They make like a rattling bone sound. Yes, that is fun. <laughs> they're getting cut through. There's also like scenes of like other animatronics that we don't see come to life. Um, like there's one where it's like clearly like somebody in a hockey mask, um, and they're carrying like a hockey stick that's wrapped in barbed wire. Um, and we don't see that come to life, which is of course like. This movie could have taken a different turn. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that would be pretty dark. And there's like a part. There's like a there's like a pig face mask with like hooks in its hands at one point that like could have come to life and it didn't. And there's like a scene where they're driving through the town to find the what turns out to be the principal. They don't know that it's the principal yet. Um, and like he looks over and one of the yards clearly has like a leather face style character in it. Um, like this clearly could have gone like. Like Jeff Wadlow had the animatronics available to do like full horror. So it's just interesting that he yeah. like had those on like on deck and referenced them, but was like, I'm not doing that. Like he was clearly thinking about some of his horror, his horror roots. Not yeah. that Jeff Wadlow yeah. has roots in anything as good as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I want to be clear. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but he does, he does usually go more straight horror than family friendly. So it's interesting to see that change here. Um, it's like Rob Zombie do doing mo- monsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we mostly do stick to like the classic Halloween monsters here with zombies and skeletons and stuff like that. The clowns is the one real divergence from that, and those are very upsetting. Um, there's also so there's a giant figure of Stingy Jack himself who basically becomes Stingy Jack when Ooh. the pumpkin gets the lit, giant pumpkin then- head. The giant pumpkin head figure, which is enormous. It's like crazy that the town had this. Uh, and then it's like breathing fire and shit. <laughs> it's really, this thing's pretty crazy. Um, the A lot of the effects in this are like a mess of like bad direct to streaming CGI, but they're still pretty fun. And the, the fire breathing pumpkin is really It cool. gets away with some of the bad effects because of the fact that they're supposed to be animatronics. Um, right yeah um but i still think probably putting people in costumes would have been better for like like there was no reason the clowns had to be had to look as bad as they did (laughs) yeah um like they like you could have just or like the witches like you could have put people in costumes for that shit like and you could have still made them just move like they were not an an animatronic or something or even not because it's an animatronic and it's come to life like it can move however you want it to. Yeah, who knows what that what that means? What they move like? Right. You know. So like, it's like they didn't have to use CGI for some of that, and the fact that they did, it felt like a wa- It did feel like watching an episode of Once Upon a Time. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> Jesus Christ, get me out yeah. of this. Um, but yeah, the the effects were definitely the shoddiest part of this whole thing. Um, but again, it it worked fine because it was animatronics and it's a family movie it's like i'm not here for mind-blowing effects so yeah we're just here for halloween vibes uh and it delivers on that we definitely get you know the fun creatures some magic some some devilry um spiders witches all the skeletons all that um yeah it's all happening it's all out there they eventually do manage to banish Stingy Jack back to hell. In a scene and, that's very Halloween Town meets Poltergeist. Um, <laughs> and keep him in the uh in the Jack o' Lantern, whatever. In Chuck the Jack o' Lantern, whatever. It's a turnip. In the Jack the turnip thing. 
and they 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 put they spray fire retardant chemicals on there to symbolize like the unification between the uh the paranormal beliefs and the scientific beliefs oh good call yeah Yeah, that was that was fun um yeah they do do that Uh, and then at the very end there's this this crazy moment where like a rube goldberg machine is set off in the attic basically of like things knocking into each other and then ends up revealing this hidden section in the attic where all these other chains shut boxes are (laughs) so it's like oh shit there's probably a lot of other cursed objects in this attic that belong to an esoteric magician uh what are we gonna do about that (laughs) i know that i love that because it's like clearly like oh there's room for a sequel i'm like imagine the fucking sequel to the curse of bridge (laughs) the sequel to this would be so weird but you know what i'll watch if jeff wadlow directs i'm i'll be back we have to bring back but not only if jeff wadlow comes back if he doesn't i'm not in um Mm. it's all about jeff wadlow go who's um (laughs) like man I can't believe this was him. It's still so bizarre, but it's like, it kind of, it, it makes sense. I, I mean, I think if I were a kid, I probably would have enjoyed this movie. Um, yeah. I think yeah, as a it's child, fun. I would have had fun. It's got kids running around doing magic. And it's pretty nonstop. Like, it's not like it's like long stretches between the, the big scenes. Like every other yeah. scene is like a big moment. Like once the spirit gets released, it's pretty much just like, madcap fighting off things until the end there's that one scene where they go to the nursing home that's briefly providing like a little bit of backstory for stingy jack but then it quickly devolves into spiders spiders (laughs) spiders everywhere yeah we get we get we get the uh, the requisite backstory kind of broken up into the the lore if you will um like the scene that we were looking for in smile we get that kind of broken up into two scenes where they like they visit the nursing home. And there's the old lady who was a kid uh, who witnessed the the spell that captured Stingy Jack originally. Isn't she like related and, to the the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's like her daughter, yeah. um, and she was there for the ritual. And then you get like the quasi Satanist principal who happens to have like a spell book and all this other stuff who can tell them a little bit about the Sorry. magic needed. It's a grimoire. If you could oh, get yes, the terminology grim, correct. The grimoire. Uh, I also love how when the football player skeleton kicks the grimoire and it flies into a million different pages, the, the most pertinent page instantly flies into the fireplace. <laughs> just like immediately straight into the fire. It's a football player. It was the Tom Brady of the skeleton team. It knew <laughs> yeah. what it was doing. That was, that was a perfectly placed kick. <laughs> Very funny though. I agree. I thought that the whole time I was like, Oh, of course. Yes. Um, but luckily it's okay. They, they go and they, they resurrected the ghost of the lady in the mausoleum remember they like why i don't even understand what was going on in that scene they were like we're gonna go to the mausoleum and talk to her um well they needed her to tell them the spell because the the page of the grimoire got burned but then Um, but then she inhabits the body of marlon wayans in a a chance for marlon wayans to do some 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 humorous body acting 
Aww. Yeah, he gets to act like the old uh, old woman who was the magician. There's one thing and... Marlon Wayans wants to do: it's act as a woman. <laughs> and he was, like, she was like all sassy. She was like, "I can't believe you did this! Like, I, I I spent so much time locking him up. Like, really? What did you think you were gonna do? Like, yes, <laughs> he's definitely hamming it up here. But it's pretty fun. I don't. Also, like, there's this whole bit about them." posting the video of him doing that to tiktok and i'm like why why are we doing this it's, <laughs> it's like it's just it's 2022 it didn't end up having any relevance to the plot at all but they wait, but all they, the way can we can we visit the kids costumes what were they all dressed as so one was cruella um which i <laughs> immediately screamed out loud that was fantastic uh, one yes. was i guess it was it kind of looked like lin-manuel miranda if i'm being honest with yes you. yes it was lin-manuel miranda hamilton oh okay because like, i was like was... i can't tell if it's lin-manuel miranda or like interview with a vampire but um it was definitely hamilton yeah, i thought it was hamilton <laughs> and then what was the other girl she was recognizable but i couldn't remember what it was she had that like the pink in her hair and like the, the jumpsuit Huh, huh, huh. I don't know. She was supposed to be someone, but I was like, oh, shit, I can't remember. It's some other, like, obviously, like, kind of recently famous character, right? Um, at least none of them were like Harley Quinn, you know? Um, <laughs> they couldn't They couldn't get any licensed characters for this. Well, but they just well, Cruella would be. Exactly. I was going to say, they just got away with it by not saying any names. That's what you have to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm looking for images, but there's not a lot of good images from this. I can't believe people aren't talking more about this (laughs) Jeff Wadlow original. They really should be. Well, we're going to be, we're here giving you the definitive take on this. Um, I'm saying go watch it. Like get a, get ahead of the rush because you know that this is going to become a Halloween classic. Um, I mean, they, it does. It's, it's really got, all the all the makings of a great classic Halloween movie in it. Yeah, the fact minus that it, the 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 good the good stuff. Minus <laughs> well, yeah. but the, se- the, the secret I'll... ingredient that makes it really great, which is a mystery, but it's just a thing. Um, yeah, I do. I I love that that it actually like plays off of real like classic Halloween legends. Like they didn't just make up a monster like for yeah, this yeah. or something. Like that, it's actually Stingy Jack himself which doesn't get covered too much in movies. I was exposed to this recently because Bush Gardens includes the legend of Stingy Jack in their Hello Scream event oh through a, a show called Jack is Back. That is so funny. Where, where Jack manifests and has everybody like dance along to a bunch of disco songs. disco songs. Oh, that's so great. It's a very fun show. I had a great time and they end the show by playing hit the road. Jack. Oh my God. Which, of course they do. Which appears multiple times in this film, yes. both like Marlon Wayans is singing it in the car at the beginning and then they sing it at the end. And then it plays during the credits. It's like, all right, we get it. Hit the road. Jack. Cause he's it's stingy Jack. Right. I can't believe Hollow Scream uses Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack. <laughs> Stingy yeah. Jack. Uh, it's yeah, yeah. not a name that strikes fear. I think they just call him Jack at Bush Gardens. Probably. And they also it's... call him Jack of the Lantern, yeah. which is his other name. Right. 
but this is the this is the one that calls the actually call him stingy jack in this um i also like that there's there's a parallel between this movie and the house that jack built because they both play hit the road jack in the credits yeah this movie is just like the house that jack built i can't think of anything more similar to this movie so similar um but yeah i mean i i recommend this movie i think if if what you're looking for is the equivalent of a hallmark movie but for halloween but that's also a little scary, so you're not just watching the pumpkin pie contest. Or it's also, you want. I think we keep calling it a Hallmark movie, but for Halloween, to be really clear, it's not like a rom com at all. No, no, I mean, <laughs> I can't emphasize enough how little the mom is a part of this movie. Yeah, the romance it's is really, not a thing in this movie. It's really kind of wild how much of a non character she is, which is disappointing. Because um, right, like, like they got I mean, Kelly Rowland to do all that. Yeah, they've got Kelly Rowland, and, and she could have an interesting storyline. I mean, she clearly, of all of them, is having the most trouble fitting in in this town. Okay, well, they've been so, in this town for like 36 hours, so we could. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I feel like they could explore that. I don't know. Maybe we'll get that in the sequel. The inevitable but, sequel um, to the, the Curse of Bridge Hollow. It's it's happening. It's actually going to be called The Curse of Michael's Hollow, and it's going to be a crossover with Halloween. Um <laughs> There it is. That's that, Corey's going to return because Corey never escaped the curse of Michael's Hollow himself. So, yeah, yeah. All right, but but yeah, I mean, like, you know, if if you're if you're into that kind of family friendly Halloween movie, but with a little bit of a scare, um, I think this is a pretty good one. I think that if you put this on on Halloween, you're not going to be disappointed. Yeah, like make it background noise. Like, like do some like pumpkin carving while it's on. It's good. I mean, you know, it feels like, it feels like a Netflix movie. (laughs) It's just like, it's got that vibe. Yeah. It definitely does Uh, feel like a Netflix movie, but it's, it's good at it. And it, it, it's funny that like, that's, I think that's its best strength. It is, is genuinely quite funny. Right. At a number of moments. It is pretty funny. Yeah. Cause of Marlon Wayans. Um, he's great in this. So yeah, I don't know. Check it out. Why not? Check it out. Yeah, I'd watch it. It was fun. So, um, that about does it for us this Halloween season. Ah! Uh, we've we've really had a hell of a time this year. Um, oh, I've been leaning into it quite hard. I I literally do not think I've watched a non horror movie <laughs> this month. Uh, so. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for a bit of a change of pace. We're going to see exactly what that means, but we're going to, we're hoping to bring you something a little different next episode. Um, And we hope you've been having a great Halloween listening along with us and watching your own scary movies. So until next time you can find us on all the major platforms. You can also, Reach out to us on Twitter at Buzzed on Movies and by email buzzedonmovies at gmail.com. You know, as as always during October, tell us what kind of stuff you've been watching to get in the mood for the season. And if you have any ideas for what we can talk about next, you know, give us a shout because we're still looking at this point. And until next time, we'll see you at the movies. We'll see you at the movies or in a sewer on the outskirts of the vaguely Rust Belt coated
no longer suburban town of Haddonfield. Yeah, come find us in the sewers and we'll turn you into a podcaster. Whoa.